Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. As COVID-19 sweeps the nation, lawmakers and public health professionals say it's communities of color who are being hit hardest. They are demanding more information from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. With nearly 500 people lost already, Louisiana has the highest rate of deaths from COVID-19 in the country. And all indications are that the black community is getting hit hardest. Tegan Wendland reports. Just a little over a month ago, Elroy James was riding high in Zulu's Mardi Gras morning parade, kissing babies and shaking hands. He's the president of the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club, a center of black culture in New Orleans. A month later, 20 of his club brothers have been hospitalized and five are dead. We have not been able to celebrate the lives of those of our members the way we have, we would have traditionally done. No jazz funerals, no second lines. All he can do is console families over the phone, encourage them, and pray for them. The same for Congressman Cedric Richmond. He's lost a handful of friends. I talked to a friend who was in the hospital on oxygen and just sounded defeated. I talked to another friend and former lawmaker who is on the downside of it, and it is depressing. COVID-19 is killing black people in large numbers. In Louisiana, there are lots of reasons for that. Pre-existing conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, and coronary heart disease disproportionately impact our black community, largely because of poverty and lack of access to services, problems that stem from hundreds of years of systemic racism. There's no doubt that it's going to impact African-American communities. Our poor communities work. In Chicago, which has a much smaller black population, 70% of the people who have died of COVID so far were black, according to WBEZ. Milwaukee is seeing similar trends. But of the hundreds of COVID deaths in Louisiana, it's hard to say how many were black people because the state won't share it. The Louisiana Department of Health tracks information about the race of COVID-19 fatalities, but a spokesperson says it's too hard to break the data out. WWNO asked for it repeatedly. So has Allison Plyer. She's with the New Orleans Data Center, which is tracking overall death rates. I think we have to understand who's really being affected most by this pandemic. She says data on race is right on death certificates. It should be easy for the Department of Health to provide it. Those numbers could affect which communities get help and how much. Joya Creer Prairie is a doctor and researcher who founded the National Birth Equity Collaborative. She studies health trends and started paying attention when some of the first deaths in New Orleans were two 50-something-year-old black men. My friends and family members were shocked because if you think about the, the image that we've seen of who should die from COVID-19, 
we've thought of it as older, elderly, frail white people. That's the image we're getting from around the globe. But in a state where at least 8% of the people don't have insurance, a number that's even higher for Black, Latinx, and Vietnamese communities, folks might be reluctant to go to the hospital if they don't think it's that serious. And then there are a lot of people who have pre-existing conditions that they don't even know make them susceptible because they never go to the doctor. Congressman Richmond. At the end of the day, this is not some academic study. This is a life or death issue. And once and for all, I hope that this gives us the momentum to tackle health disparities across the board. Again and again, across America, this pandemic is exacerbating existing inequities. Unless you have a white-collar job that lets you work from home, you might be stuck going into work or without a job and with no way to pay the rent. So just thoughts on obesity, and is that something people could control right now? Does it seem like it's going to be a real factor in, in this disease? Yeah. Well, the, the, the only data we I have on that, that that I can actually relate to published literature is the uh, the, the uh, British uh, National, it's called ICNARC, the, 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 the British Intensive Care Research uh, Survey. And, and they monitored the first 196 patients. Now, I can't remember the precise figures, but no one was admitted to intensive care who were underweight. About 30% were normal weight, but about 70% were overweight or obese or morbidly obese. Now, a lot of people have said, well, so what? That, that reflects the general population. But in actual fact, I can't give you the precise figure on it, but the, the proportion of people that were overweight or obese that were admitted to intensive care, though therefore had critical illness, was above the, the normal uh, distribution of being overweight and obesity in the population. So it looks like that is being a factor to an extent. But there again, of course, if someone has obesity, they're more likely to have type 2 diabetes. They're more likely to have breathing problems. They're more likely to have cardiovascular disease. So it's, I think what they've identified is a degree of correlation, not necessarily a degree of, of causality with okay. the obesity one. So, but I certainly would advise everyone to optimize their health now as much as they can. So lose weight if you can eat nutritious food, have a good diet. I believe it's necessary to make sure you've got adequate amounts of vitamin D because we don't make vitamin D in English winters. If you smoke, absolutely stop smoking. There's benefit in that straight away. Your cilia will be working better within 24 hours if you stop smoking. And Dr. Tedros has advised people to moderate their alcohol consumption or even stop drinking as well. I don't know quite what his evidence for that is, but I guess it's just general exercise and well-being. We need to make sure we get plenty of exercise and we need to make sure we get plenty of sleep. And as far as we can, we want to reduce our psychological stress because all of these things help the immune system. Now, lots of people talk about immune boosting. We can't make the immune system better than it is because we have a good physiological immune system. But we can certainly make it worse than it is by, by having such things as, as malnutrition or, or lack of sleep. The U.S. is currently aflush with chicken wings. Demand usually spikes around major sporting events, but with NCAA March Madness canceled because of coronavirus and restaurants shuttered to flatten the curve, suppliers are stuck with a huge stockpile of chicken wings. So maybe now you can try out that new sauce recipe or challenge your roommates to a wing-eating contest. Unless, of course, you're chicken.
context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Wednesday, April 8, 2020. So I have been told the chicken man that is who shot you. Uh, so when we originally scheduled this program, there was going to be a substantially different focus uh, to what we were talking about. Our guest for today's broadcast, uh, she's been so gracious with her time and energy, uh, her fourth time making a trip to the program. Always appreciate learning, getting information about health and you know what we should be eating, how we should be taking care of ourselves. I think when I originally reached out, I believe we were already in the midst of the so-called pandemic, but it was, I think, man, how things have changed. I believe I had to go back to look at the date to be exact, but I believe at the time when I reached out to her originally, the rumor that black people are immune to the coronavirus, I think was still circulating how quickly things have changed uh, still super grateful uh, for the chance to chat it up and get information what we can be eating got a lot of folks who uh, are stuck in the house uh, and looking to do more cooking uh, so we can take advantage and try to get better uh, and make sure that we are cooking things that are actually going to bolster our overall health, well-being, immune systems, uh, and not just further jeopardize our health uh, by eating things that are just going to tear our body down, have us full of inflammation and more susceptible to illness. Really excited uh, about having her on the broadcast today. Uh, you can check out her website. should be linked in the broadcast rubylathan.com rubylathan.com she was in the documentary film what the hell for folks who are binge watching Netflix and everything else Amazon stream uh, if you've watched Tiger King and all the rest of it hey what the hell if you haven't seen it you can see our guest for the program and get some constructive information that might help you make some better changes in what you are eating so glad to have her back on the program her fourth time on the context of white supremacy dr rupi lathan uh dr lathan you are with us good evening good evening thank you so much uh for visiting with us once again uh so many listeners always uh really look forward to hearing you on the program and a lot of folks uh they had already made changes uh so that they are not in the obese diabetes high blood pressure hypertension risk group from eating all the junk food and nonsense and food dyes and and uh everything else that you told us about hydrogenated oils they've already started to make those changes and are looking forward to mm -hmm. getting more info uh just for folks who maybe have missed out they're trying to catch up uh people this is their first time hearing from you any information just tidbits about who you are the work you do before we get started um, absolutely. Well, I am a holistic nutritionist and health coach, and I focus on uh, plant-based nutrition as a way to prevent and reverse common illnesses. Um, and so this is really, uh, you know, my passion, uh, 
given that, you know, diet saved my life. So I like to share, uh, you know, the proper diet, it's a plant-based diet is what saved my life. So um, I like to share that with others and how to do it and make it easy um, and accessible. Easy and accessible. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, and she said plant-based diet saved her life. If you watch What the Health, she gives more details about that. We talked about that on some of her previous visits. But uh, plant-based mm-hmm. diets, a lot, a lot of expensive. Matter of fact, just before we went live, I saw someone I was checking out just different information. And uh, someone was saying the same thing, that they you know, got rid of cancer and healed themselves. And they were not holding a bottle of aspirins or anything else. They were holding like fruits, vegetables, kale, fruits and veggies. Mm -hmm. Very accessible. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Before we get into... Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm excited to to talk about this topic because it just, it all dovetails with what we've been talking about in previous uh, conversations as well as what I know you promote on the program. So I'm excited to get into it. Absolutely. I've been struggling with the correct word because everything that she just said, brilliant, 100% accurate. Uh, I've struggled because, well, let me, before I get to my struggle, let me get to my one, my one bright spot. I don't want to say that, but one constructive thing. We do this every time, so she should be prepped. Today, (laughs) I actually cooked before the program, so I can really brag today cooked uh, i had dates early and then i said oh i'm so cool i'm i can do my cooking and that way i can do the program and i've already eaten and then i can do a little yoga so i made veggie lasagna uh the ricotta cheese was cashew and tofu based a little nutritional yeast nice. garlic um basil fresh basil fresh basil uh, okay. i had red lentils right. that's always good <laughs> absolutely i had fresh uh, i mean i had lentils dried lentils no uh impossible meat or anything i soaked the lentils for a little while and then added those to the tomato sauce uh, i used a little bit of better than bouillon red in ohio right there uh better than bouillon beef to the sauce for flavoring i had uh zucchini spinach mushrooms uh, and just did the layers with uh, cashew-based mozzarella on the top, Miyoko's mozzarella. Wow. Wow. Just, yeah, I put pictures online. I posted pay for people who've seen me. I sent uh, Dr. Lathan some of the pictures of what I've been cooking over the course of the Conan lockdown. That's not just a brag. The reason is exactly what we're talking about today. That's not just, oh, look at me, how cool I am. No, right. it's exactly what we're talking about today. So that's what I had. I had dates, and then I had my veggie lasagna, which was sparkling. So what did you eat today? Wow, that sounds really good. That, that I know that was a delicious lasagna just based on the ingredients. So um, I had today uh, a beet smoothie with beets and kale and apple um, and some coconut yogurt in the smoothie um, and uh, a date or two. Um, so it was, really, it was a really good smoothie. And, of course, I added a lot of stuff to it. That's the base. And I added the sea moss and uh, sea moss gel with um, a green powder that's has spirulina, corella, and a bunch of other green things. And... Um, vitamin C powder, um, 
so that's something I'm just, you know, keeping the immune system up. Is That's why I added the vitamin C uh, powder. So that was breakfast. Lunch was um, almond butter and raisins on gluten-free uh, sprouted green bread. <laughs> so basically a PB&J with, <laughs> with almond butter, though. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, dinner was a sweet potato with black beans with salsa and sriracha and greens. Um, and it was really, really good. And I put a little bit of the um, follow your heart smoked Gouda on there. Um, and it was great. Purple sweet potatoes, really, really good. So I, I, I was, it was quite delicious <laughs> and I felt good. Lots of fiber, really healthy. I love sweet potatoes. So, so it was a good it was a good dinner. And then I have uh, some green tea right now um, and water. And I had coconut water in between there as well. So, yeah, that's that was today. So, so it, was, it was a pretty good day. Love it. Purple sweet potatoes are awesome. They are so sweet. Like, uh, mm-hmm. mm, I thought about making a sweet potato pie with those, but I was, I've been intimidated. It's like, Ooh, then mm. the pie will be purple and it might throw people off, but wow, they are really that sweet. That might be nice though. That would be very different. Now that you mentioned it, I think I'm going to have to try that. If, take pictures. I take have, pictures. Uh, I have done a, um, purple potato salad. Uh, I had a friend who's a Lakers fan, so I was like, I'll do purple. And we'll put, I forgot what I used for something yellow, but it was a purple potato salad. So it tastes just as good, if not better. So. Mm, mm, I love it. I love it. You can eat well. And that's one more reason I post those pictures. I don't know about the people that talk about being vegan and eating healthy and like, oh, you just eat quinoa and hummus and you know have steamed vegetables and steamed rice and that's just i don't know who those people are i'm trying to eat well i know you know i do know some people who eat like that but not not many i used to have when i was working in an office have some coworkers who ate actual rice cakes and i was like i didn't really think anybody actually like seriously ate those like on purpose but they did just plain old rice cakes (laughs) <laughs> and had very boring meals. Um, but most of the people I know who are plant-based eat really interesting meals. And um, I rarely even eat rice, honestly. So I don't do the, the brown rice. And, and when I do it is browner. Usually I like the black rice. Mm. Um, but, yes, steamed veggies are, are just boring like that. So I, that's not anything I ever have just that way. There's so many ways to... Uh, to put them together in an interesting and healthy way. And today was just a quick and easy meal because it was, you know, I just put the sweet potato in the oven and let it bake. I mean, you really had nothing to do other than the beans. So, so, but when you know how to season it and put some things together, then it, it, it tastes like, oh, wow, this was, it tasted like a lot of effort without the effort. Mm, I love it. You can simple and accessible you do not have to slave in the kitchen all day long to have a really delicious 
healthful meal. Uh, and that is the, I mean, that can be every day. There are tons of recipes and things that does not, even that lasagna, that's a little more than 30 minutes, but a lot of that time is baked time. Like the prep time is not really long. It is not something that you have to prep days in advance. Like it is not difficult to do and you can eat really well. And it makes, I mean, you can have leftover. love that when you can cook one time great. And then you have leftovers. You can take some for lunch the next day. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to be eating that tomorrow too. Right? Absolutely, so, absolutely, and it even tastes better great. the second day. Absolutely, yeah. I was telling folks it should not be DoorDash and GrubHub for McDonald's and pizza and nonsense uh, during all of this. Like you can still eat really well uh, and not have to spend a whole lot of money. But the motivation, I hope, uh, in terms of why people should be more motivated, uh, what we heard at the beginning uh, in terms of the I, I have never, I just keep saying unprecedented. So many things about this uh, are unprecedented. Um, I've never seen just an avalanche of reports starting from, I think, around Saturday, which just every, mm-hmm. if you look at the LA Times, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Times Picayune, the Washington Post, it doesn't matter what part of the or what part of the country anywhere it's just oh black people in mississippi are dying black people in chicago are dying black people in la are dying black people in i've never seen uh anything like that just everywhere uh and it's massive number like 70 yeah. percent of the deaths in chicago are black people 72 i'm undercutting it a little bit they said 70 percent in louisiana as well uh, I, i'll start uh you being a nutritionist and this is something that you study and talk about do you have any reason to uh doubt the veracity of these reports Absolutely not. Unfortunately, um, it makes sense given the health statistics that we already know um, regarding African Americans. So, if um, we understand how these illnesses work, anytime there's an illness, especially an acute illness that comes on like that very quickly um, and very strong, the weaker you are, the more susceptible you are. And what makes you weaker is not just your age, but your current health status and your diet and everything else. And so, as they mentioned from the very beginning, that elderly people and people with pre-existing conditions would be those most affected, then all we have to do is say, well, what group of people have the most pre-existing conditions? And then we could have predicted this from the beginning of who would be affected the most. So it would have been a complete anomaly if black people weren't dying more, unfortunately, um, with this illness. Then then there would have been some research that needed to be done as to saying why. Um, because if you have um, asthma, if you have respiratory illnesses, if you have bronchitis, if you have diabetes and all these other things, heart disease, your body it can't always handle all of this the assault that this virus brings on. And so that's why people are dying because African-Americans have the highest rates of diabetes, heart disease, kidney failure, respiratory illnesses, and on and on. And so that leaves them at a much more vulnerable state at even younger ages than we were expecting. So, um, you know, we're thinking, okay, if you're over like 70 or at least over 60, but we're seeing people in their 50s um, dying and even younger, um, mostly because of the pre-existing conditions. And 
what goes along with that is that while, you know, 70% of people dying are African-American, greater than 90% of the people dying all had pre-existing conditions, white or black, so, or whatever ethnicity you are. So that just underlines why taking care of your health is nothing to play with. That underlines why you can't just live with hypertension um, and just think it's okay to just take this pill because your, your system is compromised. Diabetes reduces your immune system and your ability to fight. So just by having that. So when you have that and then your heart, heart disease reduces your ability to fight as well. So you, when you have heart disease, blood flow is already compromised. And so, so when people are, you know, dealing with this illness, it's attacking the lungs, it's impeding the ability of blood to carry oxygen to where it needs to go. And then if your body is already at less than optimal, um, and then this impedes it even more, that's why there's so many deaths. So it's, it's, it's very sad and unfortunate, and I'm not sure why the uh, rumor, uh, I think part of the rumor that black people couldn't get it was because they weren't seeing very many cases in Africa um, yet, and so they're thinking, okay, well, it must be because, you know, our strong genes, we do have strong genes, but that's not why it wasn't in Africa. I mean, a lot of what I've been reading and understanding is that a lot of the the reason it's not in some of the warmer climates is because it's harder for this virus to survive uh, in temperatures above 80 degrees. So if you're going to be touching surfaces and door handles and it's 80 or 90 degrees outside, that virus isn't going to last on on that. And so that's why it's predicted that in the summer, these, this rate of the illness will definitely go down because it's just harder to survive in heat. So I believe that is why uh, we weren't seeing it in Africa as much because uh, of the, the climate as well as a lot of the islands are not seeing it as well. So and it, it's not because of, you know, our genes. It's because the climate there, um, as we'll see as it decreases with the climate here. Before I, I get my next question, I almost things have been evolving so rapidly. I'd almost forgotten that, oh, yeah, they were saying that that was the rumor a few weeks ago that black people were uh, immune. I almost forgot. You said it could have been predicted that this was going to happen, that black people were going to be hit really, really hard and have really um, fatal uh, responses to this in the U.S. It was predicted on this program on the Global Sunday mm-hmm. Talk last month. We had a listener mm-hmm. in China. So he was at the epicenter earlier and he saw all of this. And by the time we talked to him, they were not on quarantine anymore. It was kind of over uh, so-called for the most part. And they were moving on. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he didn't just say, oh, it was going to be black people. He wrote an essay. It is super detailed. You can go back in the archive. And I had forgotten like, oh, my God, he wrote like a full essay. And he said exactly what we're talking about today, about diet and health. And black people are going to be devastated by this. And I read it. I read it to the last period on the program. It's like, wow, we sat there and talked about diet. And, da, 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 da. and I guess it evolved so quickly that I forgot about it. But it was predicted. Listener in China said it exactly mm. with great detail and accuracy. Global Sunday talk on racism for March. Mm. Uh, 
with obesity specifically because so many diabetes mm, that's what mm-hmm. i've heard high blood pressure hypertension i even have to pause our timing has been oh painfully accurate uh we read harriet mm-hmm. a washington's medical apartheid one but then most recently we read uh, a terrible thing to waste which is about environmental racism and she talks about all of these different ailments asthma heart disease high blood pressure all of these contribute to brain damage specifically for black people because they do which exactly what you just said. They disrupt your ability to transport blood efficiently through your body. Your brain needs blood. That's how you get oxygen flow. And she repeated that. Oh, and I never even thought about that. She's like all of these different ailments contribute to brain damage where you're not thinking as well. And she had all of these studies and facts to support all this in the book. Uh, but all of these different ailments being diet related how does being obese how does that make you more susceptible to coronavirus or whatever it is just being overweight well um obesity is a precursor to most of the illnesses that we're talking about um um, we're dealing with diabetes and heart disease and kidney uh failure and even um respiratory illnesses, usually most of these are, are in part brought on by obesity. So I'm not saying only obese people have these diseases, that's not the case, but um, more of them who have it are obese. So um, obesity taxes the body. So it's like your body is, you know, has a set point of where it's optimally doing what it does, you know, when you're at proper weight and you're eating well, you know, your body's, you know, doing and transporting blood at a certain percent and all of that and everything is working. Um, but when you are obese, it's like, you know, your weight right now, if you put a 50 or 100 pound vest on and try to walk up steps, you know, or run up the steps, you're not going to be able to do that as well as if you could take that 50, 100-pound vest off, right? That's so. That's basically what obesity does. It, it impedes your ability to do what you need to do. So just as it impedes the ability of the cells to go where they need to go and it compromises the immune system because the body is working so much harder to circulate and do all the things that it needs to do because of that weight. And usually when there's obesity, there is... Uh, the other conditions, one or more of the other conditions that come along with it, or it's, or you're in the pre-phase of it, maybe you're pre-diabetic or on the borderline for hypertension, you know, high cholesterol, all of those things. So anytime those things are out of balance, your body is not able to uh, optimally function. And so when the immune system is then attacked, it doesn't have all the resources it needs to put up the full fight. And, um, and then, and then you have the outcome that you have with people, you know, dying more readily than they should, um, you know, if they didn't have these conditions. So it all boils down to the body's ability to mount a defense when it is attacked. The way it's supposed to happen, you know, this foreign invader comes in the body, it increases white blood cells to fight and gets the troops together, creates an antibody, and stops this virus. Um, if your body is slow to do that, 
then the virus is going to be able to get stronger a lot faster and overtake you, you know, versus if your body is able to react, you know, right away. So this is the difference, you know, how, how, how soon is your body able to react, produce the antibodies and, and mount the defense that has to happen and, and not to a point where you're going to die because your body's working so hard and when you're, when you're not getting the blood flow you need and you have heart disease or you have diabetes and you already compromised circulation, then your body may be overcome. And that's what's happening. So it, it's like you're just compromised. So you have a system that works if it can be at 100% or close to it or 90-something percent. Most people aren't at 100%, you know, but, you know, we're close. We're at 90-plus percent of what our body's supposed to do. Um, but when it's down at 50% or you're only getting, you know, 50% kidney function and you're only getting, you know, and you have hypertension, then when you're sick and then your blood pressure is going up higher and then things like that. So it's just, it's, it's too much. It's just too much. So that's what happens is that you, you have overloaded your system already. So it's already working at a lower rate. And then you put on something like this illness that it needs to mount a huge defense for and it just can't do it and then the lungs you know the way that it's working is that there's inflammation in the lungs Uh, when it gets into the lungs if it gets into the lungs it causes inflammation in the lungs um, which makes it harder for oxygen to get into the lungs Um, and then there's also sometimes fluid in the lungs which makes it hard to to breathe and then if that oxygen rate of the blood not being able to get enough in, then you basically can't breathe. And that's why the the ventilators are there and all of that. Um, So, and then that still obviously isn't enough for a lot of people. The body just shuts down. So it's so important to get rid of that inflammation. So if you're already in an inflamed state because of an illness, and then you add inflammation on top of that, an extreme and very acute you know, inflammation that happens within days, um, your body's just not able to mount the defense it needs in time. Context of white supremacy, Dr. Ruby Lathan. Visit her website, rubylathan.com. Uh, just reminding uh, listeners, reminding myself. Uh, so this time, 2017, I had on that hundred pound vest close to uh, weighing about 80 pounds more than I did now. So man, things could be in a radically different, you know, space uh, if all this were happening and I were at about 280 as opposed to about 202, uh, things might be radically different uh, about all of this. Plus diet change happened there as well. Um, So how are you feeling with an 80 pound difference? (sighs) Wow. Uh, it is total difference, uh, totally different person. Uh, I mean, exactly what you just said. I, I even remember much less running up the stairs. I mean, that's laughable, uh, you know, with that extra hundred pounds of weight, but just mm. being seated, I feel an astronomical difference. Like 
you have standing mm-hmm. posture that's important. You know, people want to be able to stand up erect and not look like you're slouching and everything. The same thing would apply mm-hmm. when you're seated, you know. I mean, unless you're in a lounge chair and it's, oh, we're just going to lay back on the sofa. But I mean, if you're seated, if you're mm-hmm. at a board meeting or something, we're going to sit down and discuss a proposal for a new project. We're opening a vegan restaurant or something. Uh, I don't want my slouch posture that I want my I'm up and erect. And yeah, we got a proposal. Just the difference in sitting down weighing 280 as opposed to sitting down and weighing 202 is enormous like man it felt like effort to try to just sit up you know straight from a seated position uh, at 280 as opposed right. to at two or just a normal weight just what your normal weight should be not saying you got to be some crazy athlete and run five out five five miles every day or anything but just a normal mm-hmm. healthy weight you eat correct foods like enormous difference so yeah it's mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine we wouldn't be talking to you because I think we the whole reason I was talking to you was because I was vegan and it's like oh wow and let mm-hmm. me watch what the hell so yeah we wouldn't be talking right. to you totally totally different world yeah and just think about how much harder it is to breathe when mm. you're 80 100 pounds overweight mm. you know you can often hear the labored breathing mm-hmm. so if you're already having a problem breathing normally Imagine then this big excess pressure on your chest because of the inflammation, then your chances are just so much lower. And it's not to scare people out there who who aren't, you know, fit, but it should be a wake-up call to say, first, let me fully protect myself right now while this is going on because, you know, this could be a problem for me. And two... Let me make the changes I need to make ASAP, Mm -hmm. not just to get through this virus, but to just have a better life. And when something like this comes along, you're not in such a vulnerable state, you know, because there are 100-year-olds who who beat this. There are 104-year-olds who beat this. There's 99-year-olds who beat it. So it's not just an age-related thing. It is, it's all, it's health, your overall health. It's just that unfortunately in America, age tends to say you have bad health the older you get because we we just allow ourselves to continue to decline as opposed to saying, okay, I'm 65 and I'm in terrible health. Let me do something about it. We just continue to live that way. Um, So instead of doing that, you know, if you're listening and you're in that vulnerable position, now is the wake-up call to say, now, do it now. Don't wait. You know, what are you waiting for? Not only will you outlive this crazy pandemic by getting yourself together, you just have such a much better quality of life because all of these diseases cut your life short by, you know, an average of seven plus years. So um, mm. that's, that's why I'm happy to join because I just want to get that out there. Do something and do it now. Mm. Urgency sense of urgency I, I could not there is a sense of urgency yes absolutely absolutely be motivated to make those changes folks um with and you said the term uh twice inflammation i want to ask about that but just before i pivot to that i just want to get in really quick because i think it's so popular we t- it's in medical apartheid we talked about it for two different books it's in medical apartheid and vernelia randall dying while black she's in ohio both of them have said that so many people say that black people, you, 
said black people are so strong in our genes blah, blah, blah. and even some people specifically to the United States will say that slavery and we endured all that and everything that we've gone through we are the strongest people and all of that and uh, Vernelia Randall uh, Harriet A. Washington and medical apartheid they both said that is not true uh, you do not go all that and get, go through and endure all that and become stronger you go through all of that and become weaker uh, and have problems and she said that's what you see when you look at black people uh, is they have been weakened yeah. bad f- oh go ahead I mean I was going to say we've been weakened in so many ways from emotionally mentally uh, and physically so it's it, what it attests to is our strength and will to survive is what's so strong and yes we had incredible you know bodies and genes and everything to survive that but it is not like a golden ticket that says okay you know i'm just like i'm good because i'm black it doesn't it just doesn't work that way at all um you know it's it's like if you take care of this wonderful body that you have then then you'll reap the benefits i know we we reap the benefits of aging better than most people because of the melanin and things like that but that is not a golden ticket to i can eat how i want and live how i want and i'm going to be okay because the statistics clearly show that's not the case oh at all and i feel like i've seen some people that have been skeptical i encourage uh skepticism you know evaluate and make sure that rep- uh, mm-hmm. accurate information is being reported but i saw a good bit of skepticism and people were saying well i don't believe this i think they're just trying to make black people the face of the, the disease and you know they could be dying from something else and not you know COVID 19 which could be true it could be that you know hypertension and these other things cause complications and that's that uh but for me that doesn't really get to the point uh i see these problems do exist i didn't say i've been in new orleans the black people there do not look healthy from everything that they listed diabetes hypertension obesity morbid obesity all of that and i talked to black people in new orleans who said that that was the case beforehand because of racism and lots of other things that we've talked about i just i do see some resistance uh to this and saying that they don't think this is Mm -hmm. valid they don't think this is accurate which could they don't want to believe it they don't want to believe it yeah I mean, I don't, even in my network of friends of friends, I know at least five people, black people have died. And and that's just, you know, friends of friends. So I I think the numbers are accurate. Absolutely. It's it's science, okay? So it's not, you know, some conspiracy here. I mean, the science says if you have an underlying condition and your body is assaulted, with a very powerful virus, um, you're going to have a lesser chance of surviving because you can't breathe. I mean, it's, it's, not that, it's not that complicated. So I would say the conspiracy would be if they weren't reporting these things because um, it, it is, we know the stats on health and we know that, you know, when you look at the way this virus is attacking the body, it makes sense that if you... Um, are compromised that you could likely die from this. Um, but, you know, to not be all doom and gloom, most people are surviving. You know, we still have the 98-plus percent survival rate across the board, um, you know, in that regard. So even people who have some of these underlying conditions are surviving. So it's not like 
everybody who gets it is dying. It's just that it's a factor. It's a, it's a major factor though. So I don't want to leave people in, in a state of, Oh my God, fear. Um, but I do want to leave with a sense of urgency to get, get it together now. Urgency. I love it. The, the inflammation. I thought that was important. You used that, mm-hmm. said that a few times, mm-hmm. just in terms of that difference between black people in other parts of the world, the continent, the islands and here, uh, do you think it's it's possible that it could be diet? Because I've seen a number of studies. We've talked about a few of them here before <laughs> where once some of those black people who reside on the continent or the Caribbean, wherever they happen to be, once they come here and start eating the same foods that we do, they start to get some of those exact same problems, diabetes and all the rest of it. Do you absolutely. think? Absolutely. It is. It's absolutely diet. Absolutely. Um, you, when you, it, and that happens across all ethnic groups when you have Asians the same way when they come here, when they're at their home country eating their rice and not, you know, it's a primarily rice-based diet and meat and vegetables, but mostly vegetables and small amounts of meat. They have much more longevity. They come here and eat the fast food. Their numbers become just like every other American. So absolutely, um, it is diet. Because the, the food, if you're eating from the regular restaurants and the regular grocery stores and you're just buying the stuff you see on TV, um, it's mostly garbage. So you have a high degree of inflammation regardless of your weight, which is why you see so many um, people with um, sinuses and um, allergies and asthma and they just think it's seasonal and it's like no that's because you're eating garbage and now you're affected by these you know trees and things and that's not a normal state and allergies is not a normal state and asthma is not a normal state and most of those things can be um, lessened or reversed with diet so it's absolutely the diet the the American standard diet is an inflammation producing mucus producing diet it's a toxic diet so um, and one of the factors is, you know, if you if you already have an excess amount of mucus in your body and an excess amount of inflammation, which is chronic inflammation. So when we talk about inflammation, you can think of it like, because I get a lot of questions about what is it exactly. So, so the example would be if you cut your hand or your finger and it turns red and it gets puffy, right? That is the white blood cells rushing to that area to repair it. And that happens for a short amount of time. And, and then the inflammation subsides, your body heals and it goes away. That's how inflammation is supposed to work. It's a protective mechanism. So, but if your hand remained uh, puffy and inflamed like that, then it would be at a, a higher instance of maybe getting infected. It's not supposed to be that way. Inflammation so the come and do its job, rush in the white blood cells so that your body can heal and go back to its job. So chronic inflammation is when you're um, giving your body something that should not be there and and so the inflammation stays. So it goes to attack it, to surround it, um, the fluid, white blood cells, to try to get rid of the toxin by diluting it. So, so it, it 
kind of covers those. So when you have something like poisonous, it dilutes it by holding on to excess fluid and things like that. And so when your body is chronically inflamed because you're chronically either taking a medication or eating foods that is basically an assault to the body, then it is now that inflammation that should be there for a short amount of time stays. And then that impedes functions of the body. So if you have chronic inflammation in your digestive tract, for example, then you start developing things like Crohn's disease and irritable bowel syndrome and those things because now it's getting infected and now it's messing with the permeability of your intestines. And so particles are now flowing back into your system that shouldn't be there and then antibodies are created and inflammation grows. And that's what inflammation is. It is a response that should be short-term to take care of a particular issue, but is now chronically there, and now you're living with chronic inflammation, which a lot of times looks like you're just bloated, which you are, or, you know, people look puffy, or they just don't look well. That is because the body is holding on to those excess fluids, trying to protect you from the toxins that you're taking in via, you know, pharmaceuticals, drugs, any type of other things, and just poison food, toxic food. And I say poison food, I don't mean somebody poisoned the food, which they really did, but I'm talking about junk food. I'm talking about garbage food that has food coloring, that's got animal products in it, that's got mucus-producing things like dairy products and milk, and that's got all the garbage, low-quality food in it that causes that inflammation. So, so then when you're trying to breathe and you already have inflammation in your lungs because of that, um, then and you have a disease now this, that brings on more inflammation, then, you know, you're in a extremely critical condition. Speaking of inflammation and animal products, uh, everything in that audio clip was put there for a reason. Uh, a theme for many of Dr. Lathan's visits has been Cheetos. Uh, we had the Cheetos chicken sandwich. Now think about that in the midst of all this. When she first came, it was the Cheetos chicken sandwich. That's what they were jumping up and down about. And then they had the Popeye's chicken sandwich uh, a little bit, a few months later. And then they said, in, hey, now this was just this weekend. So in the middle of all of this, where now it's been about a week or so of them saying, oh man, it looks like there might be a correlation between obesity and hypertension and high blood pressure and all these diet diet related illnesses it looks like there might be a correlation oh and by the way uh since we didn't get to have the ncaa tournament and all the other things we are washing chicken wings how about you challenge your roommate to a chicken wing eating contest in the middle of all this and i said wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute why are we encouraging more gorge eating of bad food if this seems like this might be obesity related in the middle that was just saturday uh that they played that segment just again diet gorge eating gets encouraged all not just you know eat five wings eat as many as you can challenge i know (laughs) i know i i heard that i was like oh my goodness that's that's unfortunate um yeah because society wants to ignore the relationship because of the addiction to to animal products. So this is why people get angry when we bring out um, the relationship between these, uh, all of these epidemics and pandemics have their roots 
in animal agriculture and eating animals from SARS to MERS to Ebola to, to this, you know, if we are to believe the, the genesis of this, you know, if it is true that it's from eating, you know, bats and other things, let's say this is true. You know, we don't know, but that's what the story we're being told. All of the other illnesses either came, we have swine flu came from pigs and bird flu from birds and all of these having to do with how we're interacting and eating things that we should not be eating and the, the poor way we're also treating it. So from mad cow, all of these things are from the way that we are raising and treating animals and eating them. We should stop eating them. So I know a lot of people got flack, on, flack online for saying, if this was a vegan planet, we wouldn't have this pandemic right now, which would be true because there would be no wet markets. There would be no meat markets. There would be none of that. And there wouldn't be eating of wild animals or, quote-unquote, domesticated animals. We wouldn't be eating any of that. So we wouldn't have had swine flu or SARS or Ebola or this pandemic we're in right now. But people are so addicted and married to their traditions that when you bring it up, they, they, they treat you as if you said something wrong and if you're, as if you're trying to insult them. I'm like, we're trying to save you by giving you the truth that you just don't want to hear right now because you have a freezer full of beef or chicken. I understand it, but this does not negate the truth. So get out of your feelings and, and open your mind to the truth and then decide what you're going to do. But being ignorant of the facts isn't going to help it. So um, it's, it's unfortunate. So that, that's definitely a point to be made that this animal agriculture is the problem and they have, um, they have now banned in China and Vietnam and other places uh, the eating and hunting of wild animals, and now they're looking at extending that even more. So I'm like, just go all the way with it, you know? So let's not stop at the quote-unquote wild animals. Out of your feelings. I love it. I love it. I love it. And get out of the chicken wing, too. Is it, before I'm going to nab some of our callers, but is it, am I understanding you correctly? So if the planet was vegan, all the people on the planet, if we were vegan, no COVID pandemic, we could be out, no lockdown, and would we also have absolutely stronger immune system? Would we have stronger immune system if everybody We was- absolutely would have stronger immune systems. We would have much stronger immune systems. First of all, there would be no flu, as in the influenza started in, what, 1918 or so with, with birds. So we wouldn't have the flu, so we wouldn't, and we certainly wouldn't have COVID-19 um, if we were not eating animals. Absolutely. We would be out doing what we do in the spring, enjoying life, and not locked in our house because people decided, you know, they want to eat animals, and now we want to eat even more obscure animals. Um, and people want to say, you know, it's my personal choice what I eat. Well, now what you're eating is not only killing the environment, but it's literally killing us. So, you know, that's, that's the way it is. But if we were not eating meat, sure, we would have less obesity. So we would definitely have stronger immune systems. We'd have less cancer. We'd have less heart disease. So we would be in a much better state, not to mention a much cleaner environment because we wouldn't have all of the runoff from ad- animal agriculture um, we wouldn't have all the deforestation that we're having. Um, we wouldn't have a lot of things. I mean, this would just be a better planet, period. Mm. 
No Bubbly Creek in Chicago. Just finished that one up. All the slaughter from the uh, meat packing mm-hmm. companies. And mm-hmm. they did this in 1920. This is how bad the meat eating in the meat industry. So they did all that dumping in the Chicago River in 1920. A hundred years later, the creek is still bubbling and acidic. You can't go in. It's a total mm-hmm. toxic nightmare. That is, thank you, food industry. 100 years yeah. of polluting. Yeah. Last I checked, my beans didn't cause toxic runoff. <laughs> In a lake somewhere. Hey, Amen. Nothing that I ate in my lasagna. I don't think. I don't think any of that caused <laughs> exactly. any problems. No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. Uh, let's. Speaking of uh, Bubbly Creek in Chicago, uh, Henry in Chicago. Uh, I see a hand up. Did you have a question for Doctor Lathan? You should be with us, Henry in Chicago. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Uh, greetings, uh, Gus, and greetings, Doctor Lathan. Um, you know, I kind of feel like the media is, uh, disingenuous with some of these, uh, some of these reports. And I just want, you know, this is going to sway into my question here because the other day I saw, uh, I saw a, a black woman who had caught COVID and she was on a ventilator. Now they mm-hmm. told her, they told the, the people that she didn't have any pre-existing conditions, which is one of my questions. What? consists of a pre-existing condition because, you know, most people think that that would just be cancer or, you know, or, or hypertension or something like that. But when they showed a picture of her, she did not look like she had a healthy weight and she didn't look like she was obese. But mm-hmm. my second question is, is there a difference between, you know, uh, uh, being like, say, fat or overweight and being obese? And does that constitute as a uh, well? Does does being a little overweight constitute as a pre-existing condition? I know obesity probably is, but uh, would uh, would being overweight constitute as a pre-existing condition as well? Um. So you're saying she didn't look like she had a pre-existing condition? No, that's so what that's what the report said. Uh huh. That it didn't look like she did. But she died. Well, no, no, she didn't die. She was on a ventilator. Oh, okay. They, they were okay. they were basically just trying to say that you know this, 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 this you know this virus is serious and yeah we we all take it seriously. Oh, so but, they're saying know, even she doesn't look like she has any pre-existing conditions, but she's on a ventilator. Okay. But that's what the report said. Now, when they showed right. a picture of her, she looked like she was a little overweight. Right, right. I get you. Um, so obesity has specifics if you're like um have a i guess to say a a bmi of over 25 percent then uh then you're considered obese um versus like 20 percent so there are weight limits on it so um she may have been overweight and not considered obese so then they may not you know because the american health is so bad they really ignore overweight and go more to, I don't really start advising people until they're obese, you know? So, so they might not consider that as a preexisting condition if she's just overweight if she's not in the obese category. So, you know, that, that might've been the case. And then, you know, sometimes there are undiagnosed preexisting conditions as well. So people are saying, Oh, they had no preexisting conditions, but, 
you know, they had high cholesterol, they were borderline, you know, pre, they were pre-diabetic. You know, pre-diabetic would not necessarily qualify as a pre-existing condition, you know, because you're not there yet. So you never know um, what guideline they're using exactly. Uh, so, you know, without, you know, having more information, I wouldn't really know. But in a lot of cases, they might not count overweight versus obese. Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up for me. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not mm-hmm. in that particular field, so uh, thanks mm-hmm. for clearing that up for me. Sure. Much obliged, Henry in Chicago. Uh, caller in New Jersey. Did you have a question for Dr. Lathan? You should be with us. Um. Hey. Good. Uh. Good evening, everybody. Um. Just to give a report, Gus. I I, I told you about the friend of mine who was uh, hospitalized and. He was diagnosed with COVID, like so. He did pass away uh, yesterday. Mm. So you know, um, mm. they said that he had. I mean, they said he had some health issues. I'm not sure if it was high blood pressure or. I mean, he would be classified as being, you know, overweight. But uh, yeah, so that's you know some bad news, along with the report that you know this uh, virus is affecting black people um in high proportions um sorry to hear that um doctor so doctor i'm taking um i started taking uh like coringa cmos uh when i first heard about um the COVID 19 I, I reluctantly i was able to rush to gnc and get um all you of oregano um how effective mm-hmm. is um uh like those um supplements and all vitamin C to those supplements as far as like boosting um, your immune system? Right. That's a good, good question. And I did a video on that on my Instagram. So folks um, can definitely follow me on, on social media and things like that to kind of get updates throughout uh, this. Um, so oil of oregano is great. It's definitely good. Some are stronger than others. Um, but it basically enhances your immune system. So it, it basically, if you're, you know, not at 100%, it's going to help you get there. So in terms of, like, boosting the immune system in a way. Um, so I would say that's one of the ones that I use when uh, I feel the beginning of maybe becoming sick and then I don't get sick. So, um, I, you know, I can't say how great it is against Corona, but it's a virus just like any other virus. So, um, you know, if it's a good oregano oil, you take two to three drops, two or three times a day. If you're starting to feel any any illness, and others are saying take, you know, two drops a day, you know, as a preventative measure just to help to get your immune system up to speed. So, um, I would, I think it's very effective. It's it's been a known natural like antiviral, antibacterial. Um, type of supplement, so uh, it's one that I do recommend um, or suggest that people use. Uh, zinc is also an important um, supplement to use right now. It just like it, it helps shorten colds and things like that. It's also been shown to help fight viruses as well. So um, zinc is one that I would include, and then you have your more traditional vitamin C and things like that that just always helps. Um, and the sea moss is great. Moringa is great. All those things just help your body operate, you know, the best it can. So I think those are good 
these are definitely good places to start. Okay, that's um, thanks a lot. And um, since y'all asked, y'all gave a report on what you guys ate. I do eat meat occasionally, but um, today, you know, I had um, orange, um, blueberries, and oatmeal, and um, so that's that's more or less my diet. I, I'm 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 struggling with the meat. I don't eat beef, um, mm-hmm. chicken rarely. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, fish mainly fish-based diet, so, but I'm, I'm definitely, mm-hmm. uh, the meat is definitely slowly um, leading my diet. All right. Thank well, that's, that's, yeah, well, well, thank you for calling, and very sorry to hear about your friend, um, for sure, and um, glad to hear that you're on the road to eliminating the meat, and it's really at this point about finding some good substitutes, some good, you know, beans are so good for protein and fiber and antioxidants, it's one of the best things you could eat every day. So you might want to start using, finding different bean dishes, bean burritos, black bean soups, just anything with beans, um, any type of beans too, you know, anything you like, lima beans, you know, navy beans, whatever, um, as a good substitute for as you go ahead and phase out the meat completely and phase out the fish, um, you can use nuts, seeds, and beans as that replacement for the meat. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Much obliged, caller in New Jersey. Uh, we had a listener. She emailed her questions. Uh, I was actually supposed to get these last time. It was negligent. My apologies to the female caller. She wrote in. She said, <clears throat> I was recently diagnosed with moderately severe B12 and iron deficiencies. I am for the most part a plant-based eater, and when I do consume meat products on a rare occasion, it is generally cheese and on even lesser occasions, eggs. My condition may have been brought on by my diet, but I also have a long history of gastrointestinal issues. Many people on the toxic diet in this area of the world have gastrointestinal issues. I think laxatives are like one of the top uh, sellers have been for a long time and many other stomach ailments. Very common with the foods that we have here. Uh, The treatment plan for me is to have B12 and iron infusions. Her questions are, number one, what are Dr. Lathan's thoughts on B12 in terms of taking it via infusion versus trying to take it in via increasing B12 and vitamin C, which helps B12 to absorb better from what I understand through plant-based dietary means? That's question one. Okay. Um, if it's, you say it was borderline deficient, if it's severe deficiency, I would say um, having an infusion is not a bad idea. Um, but there are ways to bring it up pretty quickly, um, both iron and B12. I mean, a lot of people have B12 deficiencies. It's not something that is like rampant among vegans because most uh, take some type of a supplement, but I know several mediators who have been deficient in, in B12. Also, if you do have a gastrointestinal problem, it, it is going to slow the absorption of nutrients. Um, so, you know, having a one-time infusion to get you up to speed and then using, uh, you know, natural supplements to, to continue that on may be a good approach. So, um, 
I would definitely, definitely need to be taking a, a B12 supplement ongoing, not just until your levels get up. Everybody needs to be taking some type of B12, whether it's in a multivitamin or in a separate B12 supplement. So, um, and then we want to get to the root of the iron deficiency um, is that, you know, due to excess bleeding or something like that. We want to figure out what, what that problem is. Um, but there are a lot of uh, food-based iron supplements that you can take that won't cause uh, constipation, which any of the most of the over-the-counter iron supplements are going to cause constipation. Um, and then people don't want to take them, and then you're you know, anemic. So there are several that are whole food-based, like Mega Foods has one, there's some liquid irons that are food-based that do not cause the constipation that you should be taking. Um, and then, um, you know, in terms of getting that, your iron levels up, you know, there are other natural protocols that, you know, deal with dried fruit and water, you know, soaking some dried fruit and drinking that water. But, you know, I would say, you know, taking a supplement or transfusion initially could be an approach and then definitely using natural methods and foods to keep it up and supplementing for sure with the B12. Awesome. I think for iron, uh, cast iron pots, I think that's one people recommend too because some of that will absorb into your food. I'm trying, doing cast iron cooking myself. Uh, her second question would she be willing to speak to what B12 is, what its importance for the body is, and what are the best foods to eat for people who are plant-based dieters to increase B12 in the body? Flaxseed oil, I think that's one. What, uh, what's, uh, what do you think, Dr. Lathan? Um, so, well, B12 is um, it's a nutrient that really deals with, like, your, your nervous system, um, and, you know, it, it is linked also to anemia. So if you didn't have enough B12, then, you know, I know we're talking about the causes. One of them could be because um, you're, you know, because of the B12 deficiency could cause the anemia because now you're not absorbing it. Um, so those do often uh, go together. So it helps, you know, B12 is one of those things that helps the cells be healthy and propagate as they should. So it's critically important because if you don't um, have enough, um, then you can cause like some permanent nerve damage over time. Um, so it's really important to, to keep it high and not, not just let that, it's something to take seriously that B12 is extremely important. So a lot of the foods that they recommend for B12 are going to be animal-based, but um, so even those don't generally give you enough um, of them. I know nutritional yeast is one of those that's plant-based that is high in B12, but you really cannot rely fully on food for B12 and vitamin D. So I know you're not asked, she wasn't asking about vitamin D, but those are the two things that you need to supplement on, period, because their B12 was generally from the soil in the ground, um, and we were getting it because we were eating very close to the ground, and now our foods are highly sanitized and far away from the ground, and so by the time we get them, so that those micronutrients like the B12 that were on there 
are no longer there. So we're not getting them anymore. Um, so, so that's why it's, there aren't that many really good um, food sources of B12 because it just, it's not really that abundant in food. It's more abundant in maybe animals that are eating more of soil and dirt and things that have it in there. Um, and then you're getting a very small amount from that. So the best route to take is to take a B12 supplement. It can be sublingual where you just put it under your tongue and it kind of melts or in a capsule or in a multivitamin. So if you're taking a good whole food multivitamin, you don't need to supplement additionally um, with B12. So you can use things like, you know, flaxseed, nutritional yeast, but it's not going to be enough. So I would not recommend relying on your just eating foods high in B12 in order to get what you need from B12. Our last question, uh, would you be willing to speak to any adverse health concerns that myself and others with the same condition might experience taking what is, in essence, an artificial version of B12 and iron by infusion? Hmm. Um, I haven't really looked into um, the negative effects of... Um, like the iron transfusions and things like that. I mean, sometimes there's a little pain involved, but um, I, so I really can't speak to that fully, you know. So if it's, you know, not so severe that you can take some time to take a lot of, you know, iron over like a two-week period and get it up, then that might be an option. But you really don't want to go for a long period having being in an anemic state because that stresses your heart. Um, and you're not, your blood is not getting the oxygen to everywhere it needs to go, which is why most people have fatigue when they have anemia, because you're not getting the, the oxygen to everywhere. Your blood cells are just not carrying um, them adequately because you're anemic. So, um, so it's a, so it's, it's dangerous to just you know let anemia go um, for an extended period of time. So. You know, from my understanding, though, the side effects of having an infusion are, you know, short-term. Um, so I don't know of any, like, long-term side effects of having an iron infusion. But, it, you know, I believe it's like a synthetic version of it. So it's not, it's not the optimal condition at all to, you know, way to go to have it that way. But it may be safer um, to, if, depending on how severe the anemia is. Um, and the B12 is. So regardless if you're going to have a transfusion, you can start supplementing right away um, and then continue supplementing. Um. Awesome, awesome. Uh, let's see. The person who dialed in 3098, uh, did you have a question for Dr. Lathan? You should be with us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, good evening, Gus. Good evening, Dr. Nathan. Um, I want to thank you for all your efforts and your spectacular work. Um, I'll start out with, uh, to answer your challenge, my first meal was today was uh, vegetarian meals with a walnut, walnut kale pesto. And then I had um, Dr. Nathan's creamy kale recipe, hmm. which is okay. super, super delicious. 
super delicious. I, I think I'm super delicious. And then a snack, I had a berry smoothie with organic banana, raspberry blackberry, some ground flaxseed, uh, cacao powder, powder. And um, my question was, what is your recommendation regarding tofu? I've been personally organic, or so it says on the package, but I've been making it to um, substitute for as a tofu scrambled and treated to um, substitute for eggs. I really, I, I really like eggs, and um, I'm trying, and I've been um, trying to substitute it. Should I limit my consumption? That's my one question. Now, come back later. Uh, well, how much are you eating it, like, at, and how often? Well, I, like I said, I make a package, and then um, I usually, usually um, like, 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 what's it, 14 ounce package? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Forgive okay, me. So you, but, you, you know, know whole, one, so you, mm-hmm, you eat the whole package? No, no, no. I'll, I'll make the package, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll split it up and then, It'll spread out about three days. Uh, generally, it'll spread about three days. Mm-hmm. And then I'll uh, make it up as like a hash with um, some... Lately, I've been doing it with um, organic potatoes and onions. And, yeah, I've been making a hash scramble with um, uh, the uh, plant-based and the plant-based sausages or something like that. But like, uh, I'll spread it out around three, about three days. So, like, it spreads about three days. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's that's not too much. So, um, tofu, you know, if it's organic, uh, which is what you want. Otherwise, you know, it could be GMO. So, organic tofu is, I think, a good option for people. So, I don't, I don't have any um, problem with that. And it doesn't sound like you're overdoing it. Um, so, you know, if that packet lasts for three days and you're eating a lot of other greens and vegetables with it, it, that's great. What I don't recommend is eating a big block of it, you know, like it's meat and not eating enough other greens to complement that. So, um, Mm -hmm. you're putting a lot of good stuff in your hash and eating side of spinach or greens and things with it. I think that's nice, nicely balanced. So, um... You know, you don't have to eat it every day. I, I give some breaks and do some other things. Like instead of a uh, tofu hash, you could do, um, well, I do kale, sweet potato, and onions and a black bean hash sometimes instead of like a, instead of a tofu hash. It still feels like a breakfast type food. So that's an option too. So I would give it a break every you know, now and then, and then, you know, go back to it. But in general, it sounds like you're you're being pretty moderate with it. Okay, thank you. Alexa, do you have a, a recipe posted on your um, YouTube um, channel? For, um, for the scramble, for a tofu scramble? Um, I don't, I don't, but, uh, you know, I make it pretty simply with just green peppers, onions, garlic, the uh, red pepper too, and the scramble, turmeric, and all the seasonings, you know, garlic, ginger, not ginger, but garlic, a little smoked paprika and some other other things like that. So um, I don't. There are so many out there. I didn't feel like I needed to add to the tofu scramble, but um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that that's just my basic one that I do, and then I might, you know, mix it up and add some, you know, black beans to that or something, you know, just extra or spinach. I really like to add a lot of green to it, so I usually do a spinach or something like that with it as well. Okay, excellent, excellent. May I ask one more question, guys? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, I recently posted some. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. I recently purchased some canned jackfruit. I wanted to make the, um, I was trying to make a curry chicken recipe, but I discovered that it was, should have been brine rather than in syrup. I had the can, the cans I in syrup. Other than a smoothie, are, are there any recipes that you might recommend? I need my line. Uh, recommend for jackfruit? Because I think, um, I just wanted to make sure that's what you could. So, um, with jackfruit, yeah, there are a lot of, um, a lot of recipes for that. I use it on a lot of different ways. If you're, um, so you definitely want it in the brine. If you got it in syrup, you definitely want to rinse that off. Um, so if it's in the, if it's in the brine, usually I do like a, do it like a pulled pork with mushrooms and barbecue sauce, organic barbecue sauce, and saute it and then bake it. And it, it's really good in like a sandwich or on a taco salad or something like that. Um, that's one of the most common ways with onions and mushrooms and barbecue sauce. Um, then let's see, I think, I'm trying to think of some other ways. That's the most common. And then, you can do a lot of things with it, like um, similar to like a spinach and artichoke dip. You can use it for that um, as well. A vegan, obviously, spinach artichoke dip using like a cashew sauce or one of the vegan cream cheeses or something like that. But I most the most popular way is to either make it like with a taco seasoning and put it in a taco or with um, barbecue sauce and onions and mushrooms and do it like a pulled pork sandwich or slaw. Okay. So you guys said that you guys said as far as with the ones that I bought can it's in the syrup, try to rinse it off. Um, yeah, so I rinse just it rinse it and, it and drain it. Rinse it and drain it like with a colander or something and just rinse, rinse that off. Yeah. Because it's, okay. it's just a syrupy, okay. sugary syrup, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so you don't really you don't really want that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm welcome. Appreciate that. Uh, caller nine zero two nine nine zero two nine. Did you have a question for Doctor Lathan? Uh, greetings, best greetings, callers and listeners. Um, thank you, Doctor Nathan, for being um, a guest on the show again. Uh, just a few quick questions. I well. Meal-wise, I had a, a burdock tea, a warm glass of lemon water early in the morning. Um, I did have a somewhat junk food, but not too bad. I actually had a, a veggie patty and a spinach one earlier today. And um, for, for a meal, I had um, a West Indian dish minus the meat, um, ackee, banana, and okra, um, and uh, just some water. Um I have a question in regards to sea moss. First off, I use that as well, but I use the powdered version. 
I, I heard you speak about it earlier and you said you used the gel. Is there any potential benefits in using that one as opposed to the powdered version? Um, so I would think so. So the gel I made myself just from the actual um, sea moss, which is very easy to do. So I just got a packet of the wild crafted sea moss. So, you know, I always feel like the less processing there is done to something, the better. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think that, you know, if, if it's just um, powdered sea moss and not a lot of other things added to it, it should be okay. Um, but I like to get just a, a packet of sea moss, rinse it off, soak it overnight, um, rinse it, you know, get all the salt off, and then put it in the blender with a little water because it, it doubles in size when you soak it like that. So you want to put enough water in there so it can expand, and then you blend it with a little bit of water, and then it makes the gel, and you just keep that in the refrigerator. Um, and you can do a lot with it because it's like a thickener. It's like if you put chia seeds in something, how it makes it gelatinous and things like that. Mm -hmm. So people make yeah. jams with it or other things to help, you know, stabilize things. So it has more uses um, when you have it in the gel form. Um, but nutritionally, you know, if it hasn't, if the CMOS hasn't been heated or cooked before it was powdered, then it's okay, but if they processed it in some kind of heat, then that's, that always kills some of the nutrients in food. So, I understand. Um, but I think, okay. you know, the powdered version should still be very beneficial. Um, thank you. Um, also, I have a, a question in regards to, by keeping up the routine of the lifestyle change, um, the eating habits and, and, and such forth, and, and I have, like, the motivation. Um, I, I have you know, two sons and I'm trying to make sure I'm around to see them, you know, to see my grandkids, uh, so to mm -hmm. speak. But, but the, you know, at times, just like everybody else that's on the line and listening, you know, I, I tend to split. And what I'm trying to do is find that, that kind of um, steady routine and, and finding other ways to kind of keep that routine solid. And, and I've tried to develop more of like um how can I explain it? I, I do yoga in the morning as well, but it, even sometimes I slip at that. I'm trying to, to find that, that, that right balance to make sure that I'm not, I'm keeping up with it more than I'm actually slipping with it, so to speak. Can you speak to like how you've been able to do that as, as well or some tips? Sure. I would say first, I don't do it with perfection. So I'll just say that. Um, and that sometimes I fall off the wagon and have to reset myself. So, you know, don't beat yourself up over that. Um, so sometimes when I kind of slack off, I do something like a, a juice cleanse or something because it helps bring me back to discipline. So, because it, it's really the more you use that muscle, the easier it gets. So, um, you know, when I, like, find myself eating more vegan junk or processed things, I, I'll do, like, a cleanse or a raw food cleanse or a juice cleanse to bring back the discipline, and then I'm just happy to eat food, and so then I'm choosing healthier choices. So um, I think one of the things that helps, though, is routine, like having a set time for when you're going to do things um, triggers, you know, reminders on your clock and exercise partner, you know, like, that's why I use a, have a, before the COVID, a personal trainer that makes sure I'm getting up and exercising, 
regularly. Now I just check in with a friend to make sure we're walking and getting, you know, 10,000 steps in. So I have a thing on my phone. So I have a lot of little things that help me live a better lifestyle. So from the reminder in the morning on my phone, the meditation reminder, and then a reminder that's like telling me how many steps that I've taken or not. And it will actually say, maybe you should take a walk. So, and then having a friend (laughs) to check, check in with you, it actually says that I'm like, well, thank you. um, And then having a friend to check in, all of those things together helps me because it's because it's not, you know, most people just aren't like just super disciplined until you just make it a lifestyle and your body's like, I need to exercise. Then you just do it, you know, like that. So the reminders and then the planning, pre-planning of what you're going to eat in advance helps because Otherwise, you just kind of go back to habits when you're not sure what you're going to do. You just go back to what's comfortable, what you've already always done. So you've yeah. got to plan it out a little bit uh, for the okay. week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gus, is it possible I could ask one more thing? or? I reckon. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, one question in regards to liver damage. Um, I have friends that I'm... Uh, you know, I, I talk to them. Some of, some of them are, are, are overweight. They used to be healthy, but they. You spoke about this earlier about the fact that once people reach a certain age, they kind of just figure, let themselves go. And you know, I, I speak to them in regards to this about as far as like um, losing the weight. But even me myself, being a little bit more in shape, I still feel like I, I need to be careful with liver damage from past um, abuse. With, with sugar and drinking and things of that nature. Um, could you speak to that as far as the importance of, like, the, the liver and, and overall function? Like, because the more I read about it, the more important I realize it is as I've been going on this journey. And I meet my life. Okay, sure. I mean, the liver, every organ is super important, and you realize that once one of them stops working, as it should, so... Um, the liver is definitely one of those, um, you know, that filters everything. So, you know, to if you've had prior liver damage, you really want to limit alcohol because that can be very hard um, on it. So you want to just go, you know, very easy on any um, alcohol, especially really hard liquor. You don't want to really do that. You just want to go easy with alcohol and salt and things like that. Um, but your your body does repair, so when you're giving it constantly, you know, what it needs, a high-fiber diet definitely helps the liver. Um, so in the liver and kidney, you know, they work together. So what's good for the kidney is going to help the liver. So we know that meat is very hard on the kidney, which is hard on the liver. So, you know, getting rid of that. So eating lots of fiber, like oatmeal and beans and things like that, um, and one way I do oats is overnight oats. So you just um, put the oats in with like some almond milk and berries and chia seeds and mix it all up and it's ready to go in the morning. It tastes really good. People don't like maybe traditional oatmeal, but things like oats, berries, fruit is really great for the liver, period. Um, grapefruit, citrus fruit, all of those things. So the best thing you could do is like either be doing like a smoothie every day and making sure you're getting tons of water like a lot of water to keep the liver flushed uh, very well. So don't get dehydrated and obviously stay away from sugary, high sugar 
you know, drinks that are, aren't natural. Um, and I don't even recommend a lot of fruit juices either. Um, you know, green juices are great, but it's better to eat the whole fruit. So, you know, basically a clean plant-based diet that's high in fiber and high in fruit um, is going to be very, very good for the liver. Um, a lot of different teas help for the liver, like dandelion tea, green tea help as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Much obliged. Uh, let's see. The person person who dialed in from a blocked number, a uh, person in a, at a blocked number. Did you have a question for Dr. Lathan? You should be with us. Can I be here? Yes, ma'am. Greetings, Ivy. Greetings, Gus, and greetings to Dr. Lathan and all the callers on the line. Um, if you go to death, because I'm going to ask my question, if you go to death's final data from um, the CDC, you're going to see just these major gaps in, like, obesity deaths and diabetes and all these different things. You'll see that, you know, 5,500 5, uh, people who are dying from obesity are white, and it's only 1,300 for black people. For diabetes, 55,000 for whites and 14,000 for us. And you'll see the same thing with heart disease and hypertension and the flu and any respiratory diseases and kidneys and all these different things. Um, given that and given that these deaths of the coronavirus are also where whites are as opposed to where we are and given that um, white people wanted to do the, or, and they do still want to do, the vaccines on the continent of uh, so-called Africa and the officials there are rejecting that. And also the fact that you're hearing a lot of, um, with all these, these deaths that they're talking about, you're hearing the word disproportionate a lot. You're not hearing totals. Um, for some cities you are, but for the most part you're hearing disproportionate a lot. And even in Los Angeles, for an example, um, where you have, 27% of the people who have died are white and 17 are black. And then they'll say something like, when we look at these numbers by total population of each group, African-Americans have a slightly higher rate of death. No, they don't, because 27% of the people who are dying are white and 17 are black. Now, when you try to use things like disproportion and things of that nature, ultimately you're lying with numbers, because population has nothing to do with anything because the majority of the population in those places are not dying from anything. They're not, they're not dying from this particular um, issue. And the majority of people, period, are not dying from this particular issue. So my question is this. You're, you're seeing a lot of, you know, lying with numbers and, 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 and deception with words like, you know, disproportionate and things of that nature, and then for the specific cities where you'll have, for example, like Louisiana, where the majority of the, the deaths are like 70%, there, there may be black people or whatever, but you're not telling us the places where 70% is white people. So my question is this, do you think that white people are practicing racism by omission, by not telling us, you know, what's going on with white people, for an example, and dying with this um particular um i guess you could say illness so yeah that was my question i hope that uh that it was uh, clear and i'll clarify if, if needed thank you sure um 
So let me kind of see if I kind of get what you're saying and what I'm, my understanding is of the numbers. Um, so given that African-Americans are somewhere around 13 plus or somewhere between 13 and 15% of the population in America, um, if we were dying proportionately, then we would be dying at about the COVID cases would be at about 13, 15% black. So, but what we're seeing is across the board for the United States is that 70% of the cases are African-American, which means it is disproportionate, meaning that we are making up way more of the death than we are in proportion to the population, which is very similar when you look at prison populations and things like that. So we know there is an element of racism involved in the reasons that is, but it doesn't negate the actual facts. So, so it's my understanding that if we're looking at Detroit, Louisiana, and these places in Chicago where 70% of the deaths are more, even if it's 50% of the more are black, and we're 13% of the population, then that is a disproportionate number and it's affecting us um, in a greater percentage. Now, it doesn't mean that it's affecting us in a greater numbers, but a greater percentage. So overall, there are probably more white people dying because, you know, in general, but I don't think, um, I don't know that they're skewing the numbers um, to make this a black issue. Um, because if it was, I doubt that we would be having the the response. If it was really a, about it being a black issue, the response wouldn't have been as great. That's my opinion. They would have, you know, swept it under the rug and been like, let them die. Um, so I don't know that that's, you know, the case, in my opinion, that that's what's happening um, in terms of them skewing the numbers, because I don't see the benefit of that. I mean, we already know the health statistics for the other illnesses are what they are. So it makes sense that this would follow suit because underlying conditions are a extremely high factor that factors into the death of this disease. And we know that um, black people are disproportionately represented in these underlying conditions. So I think it kind of fits. Um, so I'm not sure there's a lot of deception going on with the numbers. Um, there, you know, in terms of vaccines, um, you know, that's a whole nother story and show to talk about um, of them wanting to especially, you know, start vaccinating vaccinations in Africa and things like that. And actually, there was a report recently where these two doctors in France were uh, on live radio or whatever and saying that we should start testing the new vaccine in Africa because we've done it with things like HIV and things like that. And so we know that that's part of the agenda is to treat that country, that continent like guinea pigs. Um, so, so there's, there's always an element of racism, but I don't know that it's represented in the numbers. I think the numbers actually make sense in terms of that population dying. Um, so I don't know that they're trying to, paint the face of this disease as a black thing. I really don't think that is because I don't see the benefit to them for them to do that because of all the, uh, the great measures we're going through to try to avoid it. So um, it just, I think this is just how this happens with this, with this illness because of the pre-existing um, conditions. 
So I'm not sure if that answered your question. Um, well, what I was trying to understand is talking about proportionality for an example. You talk about 13% of the population. Well, that would include all of us. But all of us are not dying from coronavirus or anything of that nature. For an example, white people use this, that word disproportionate when it suits them. So, for example, they, don't, they won't say, well, abortion is disproportionately affecting men. They won't say, well, you're 13% of the population or whatever the case may be. They, they basically will exclude men, for an example, in, in that situation, mm-hmm. obviously, because they can't have children. So mm-hmm. I'm saying right. if, if, you're, if you're saying 13% of the population, that would be everyone. Population, wouldn't, it, it, it doesn't seem like it would. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that there's there's not enough of us for seventy percent of us to be dying from COVID. I, is that what you're saying? No. What I'm what I'm saying is that thirteen percent of the population would include all black people, whereas when you talk about seventy percent of the people dying, all black people are not dying of corona. All all of no one is dying of corona. So I'm saying population amount has nothing to do with the total number of people who are dying from this particular illness, is what I'm saying. And that white people, what they tend to do is they use that term disproportionality and things of that nature when it suits them. But other than that, they don't use that. So what I'm saying is you can't, mathematically, you can't say, you can't compare 13% of the population, which would be everyone, when everyone is not dying from this particular illness. So you can't Put everyone in that situation. What you're doing is you're lumping people in it that are not sick. You're you're lumping people in that. I think what they're saying, though, I think what they're saying is that of the, I think, what, what, 10, 12,000 people who died from corona in in the U.S., and they're saying 70% of those 12,000 people were black. That's what they're saying. So that doesn't take up the whole percentage of 13, you know, there's 330 million people in the country and we make up what 13% of that, which is a large number. So I think that's what they're um, getting at is that it's of the, you know, 12,000 people have died that 70% of those people are, even if it was, let's say, let's say for the sake of numbers, ease of numbers, half of the people who died were black. That's 15% of the people who actually had corona died are black. That shouldn't be. It should only be um, 13%, not 50%. So that's where the disproportionate comes in. Now, I don't doubt that people use that term whenever it suits them, but I think the the point that's being made is of the 12,000 people that are are dying um, or have died that only... um, you know, a few thousand of those um, should have been African-Americans if it was proportionate. So it's disproportionate um, because it's such a great number, you know, that we we should be of 12,000 deaths, you know, it should be, you know, on a high side, 1,600 of those people should have been African-American if the, the death was, the rate was affecting everybody evenly. So since we're over, well over that, well over 5,000 of the 12,000, then 
that's where the disproportionate number comes in. So, um, but I, I get your point about agendas. I'm just not sure it's fully represented here because it is disproportionate. Okay, thank you um, for your your answer. The only thing I guess that I wasn't understanding about that is that uh, Ivy, do you have another uh, it, it, question? We kind of went over that one. Do you have another question? Because there are other folks who have questions too. No, it's okay. I'll, I'll meet my line. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your question, ma'am. Uh, Mr. Blue, did you have a question for Dr. Lathan? You should be with us. Good evening, guests. Good evening, Dr. Lathan. Good evening to all the guests. Dr. Lathan, I was um, been reading about D3 or vitamin D and its effect with uh, and how it affects the body and coronavirus. And I was just wanting to ask, what are your thoughts on vitamin D and also taking like vitamin D3 supplements, not only during the coronavirus, but also just as a basic healthy supplement for people and particularly non-native people and particularly people living like in the East Coast where like seven to eight months out of the year, we don't get a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, good, good question. Um, so vitamin D3 is, is one of those things that you should definitely take as a supplement, whether you're spending time in the sun or not. Because um, generally um, you need, from my understanding and study on the topic, you need about 45 minutes a day in little clothing, like swimsuit, tank top type clothing, in order to get an adequate amount. So unless you're like a beach person and you're out there every day, you're just not going to get enough. Um, and then, you know, if you're darker, you need, you know, at least that 45 minutes. So, so it's really important to take a D3 supplement, especially, especially when you're spending not much time in the sun at all. Um, so D3, you need about 5,000 international units a day um, of vitamin D3. And they do have plant-based D3 um, a lot of it is not. They use like wool, um, lanolin from, you know, sheep or something like that. So uh, just make sure you're looking for the, the plant-based um, D3 and take at least the recommended amount is 5,000. I know the RDA recommended daily allowance is something like about 400 or 600 international units, but that's way too low. So you need to take about 5,000 a day. And that's just for your average okay. person. There are always factors that, you know, can change that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I, I'm a practicing surfer, so in the summertime, like a lot more D, vitamin D, just being out at the beach and mm-hmm. in the water and just at the beach. Sure. So that, thank you for that. Okay. And um, my last question is, um, transitioning from meat and, you know, primarily being a meat eater and just practicing, trying to practice being a vegan, like, uh, the previous caller said, sometimes you slip. Um, what are your thoughts on, um, like seitan and tempeh and some of like, you know, the, uh, vegan or veggie burgers, veggie sausages, um, 
how good are they for the transition? How are they? How good are they when you're actually being more vigilant with your vegan practice? Um, what would be your suggestions on, I guess, the amount of processed and sort of, you know, meat substitute type of thing when you're going into the, you know, going into the life of being a vegan? Mm-hmm. Good question. And I'll meet my life. Sure. I kind of put things in the category of good, better, best. So when you're eating plant-based, you're, you're good, but let's go a little better. Um, so in terms of like the, the faux meats or whatever, tempeh I think is very good. It's kind of gone the best side of things because it's fermented, it's natural soy, there's not been a lot done to it, and it's you know high in the protein, fiber, all that. So I don't really consider tempeh a, a processed food, really, because it's very minimally processed. So tempeh is great. Um, if you don't have any wheat allergy, which a lot of people don't, uh, seitan is very good. Um, I mean, my dad used to make, they called it gluten. I know gluten's like a bad word now, but um, it's just the protein of the wheat. So you just make it at home from wheat flour and you keep rinsing it until you have nothing but the tougher protein. And that's what seitan is. So it's relatively natural too. Um, so I would just eat that in moderation because it is just wheat, the, the protein. So um, just be careful how much wheat you're getting at a time with the seitan and you want it to be organic um, if possible. So I say tan is kind of in the middle category, you know, so I think it's great, especially if it keeps you from eating meat, then it's definitely better, but it really is just wheat protein. So there's not a whole lot of processing that's happening there when you get some, some of the better, um, seitans. Um, so bean burgers are pretty good. I eat it like a black bean plantain burger. It's very natural. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's you could make it in your kitchen. So I find some of those, you know, in the frozen section, which I'll eat occasionally. They're not as meaty or great tasting as the, um, like, Beyond Burger or something like that, but they're they're good. So um, those are on the better side of things, too, because so, it's very minimally processed. Um, so then those are, I think, all those that I just mentioned, those, you know, fine, those are fine, but then we get to the, more processed burgers that have kind of the protein isolates and things like that. I consider those more the splurge items, 4th of July type items, eat it because there's absolutely nothing else on the menu you can order. That kind of thing, I think they're good to fit the bill or if you're like just craving a burger or meat, it's definitely a better way to go and to have those occasionally. So um, I like the Beyond ingredients a little bit better then the impossible, you know, it's not a ton of difference, but there is some difference. So, um, but I wouldn't, they're not an everyday food or every week food. They're just, you know, occasional. I'm having a craving for a burger, uh, you know, have the Beyond Burger. So I'd say keep those at a minimum and just make sure you're filling up a lot with the other stuff. In the meantime, that tastes really good too. And just make sure you have food that you really like um, and then use the burgers occasionally. Thank you, thank you. So it's really like the psychological aspect of what you may be craving, a burger or that burger feeling or that burger type mm-hmm. of taste. And then but exactly. getting more discipline like the seitan, the um the tempeh, less processed, better for 
including in a normal or some type of normalcy in your diet when you want something a little bit meatier, a little bit tougher in your mouth. Exactly. Right. Thank thank you very much, Dr. Lathan. Thank you very much, Gus, and all the guests. I will mute my line. Everybody stay healthy. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Our caller in Canada, Uh, did you have a question for Dr. Lathan? You should be with us. Uh, hi, good evening, Dr. Lathan. Good evening. Uh, hi. Um, I just, um, I was listening, I was listening to a YouTube video from Dr. Africa. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Africa. He recently mm-hmm. passed away. And one of the biggest things that he was saying was, um, um, a lot of non-white people, they eat foods that they think is food, but it's actually a chemical. And so he was saying to stay away from white flour, white sugar, white salt, and a lot of those things that we consider to be food are actually not food, that they're chemicals. And that is why we're having a lot of these type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, um, kidney failure, heart problems. Would you agree with that? Um, I would agree with that. Yeah, there there are a lot of food-like things that masquerade as food that are really not food at all. Um, you know, they're just they're processed uh, to be food, but there's a lot of just artificial ingredients from the food coloring to the hydrogenation of the oils and things that make it harder for our body to break things down. Um, and so they get stored as fat and cause inflammation because it's foreign to the body. Um, so absolutely white flour, sugar, salt, all things that you should avoid completely. Um, and so that's what I kind of alluded to in terms of where you shop, you know, the traditional grocery store, I barely buy anything from there. Um, and if it is, it's just going to be the produce the organic produce because anything on the shelf has junk in it. It's going to have food coloring, hydrogenated oil, MSG. It's going to have the wrong oils or too much oil. It's going to have, you know, white salt and a whole host of uh, chemicals that you can't pronounce. So I barely shop at a traditional grocery store because the most anything packaged is just generally going to be garbage, except some of them are now doing health food sections in the grocery store, which, you know, I've heard the joke, well, if there's a health food section in the store, then what's the rest of the food? So, um, which is a good point. (laughs) The death food section is the rest of it besides the produce. So absolutely, he's right about that. And sorry to hear of his passing. Um, But yes, he he was definitely on target with us eating fake food that causes a lot of the problems that we have. Great. And I forgot to add milk because he says that the milk is also a problem because it's not, it's not actually milk. It's some kind of, um, pus, oil, sugar, that the milk that we call milk, the, that actually the, that the pasteurized milk, if you were able, if you were, if you said that to a calf, the, the calf would actually die. So he was also saying that about milk, and I was really surprised to hear him hear mention that. Would you also agree with that? I would agree. Milk should only 
be consumed if you're a baby calf. That's it. Adult cows don't drink milk. It's not for humans at all. I mean, it's the most toxic thing you could drink, um, you know, which is why it causes so much mucus and inflammation. And on the few occasions that I've accidentally had something with milk in it, I actually get congested within the hour. And I'm, I know that, oh, there's, there's milk in that. So and it, it causes that kind of inflammation. So you have some people walking around who are constantly congested and or constantly have some type of, um, you know, phlegm or mucus always. It's because of a large part of it is because of the dairy. So dairy is highly toxic in a lot of different ways um, from, you know, the lactose intolerance is just your body uh, giving you the first signal that it doesn't like it, but there's so many other things that's linked to diabetes and colon cancer and so many others. So milk and cheese should not be consumed because cheese is just concentrated milk, so almost worse than the milk and, and then the salt that's added to the cheese. So it's a toxic substance that is not human food. It should have never been. Um, and there's so many alternatives for milk. Um, but people need to also look at the ingredients, whey protein is milk and so many things down the crackers and breads that have milk in it, milk powder. So you have to really read the label. Yes, yes. Because um, he also was talking about how cookies is basically dough with sugar on top, how biscuits is salt with dough. Yeah. And, 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 and also, and he was, he was also talking about digesting, um, that we're supposed to, um, when we eat, we shouldn't eat after a certain time, like from, um, after 8 PM, we shouldn't eat. And then we shouldn't eat until about 12, 12 the next day. And that we should only, it takes four hours for us to digest, um, takes four hours for us to di- digest um, a meal. And if we try to eat in between those times, it causes us to be either constipated or, or, or have diarrhea. Mm. Right. I mean, it is good to eat, not to eat before bed and give yourself three or four hours. Um, you know, I always say about three hours before sleep. So, you know, when you eat, definitely matters. Um, for a lot of different things. So, um, yep, I, I would agree with that. Thank you very much for your questions and have a lovely evening. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Much obliged, caller in Canada, the person, I guess, different person from a block number, different person from a block number. Did you have a question for Dr. Lathan? Yes, greetings, greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hey, greetings to you and, and uh, the host, Gus, and um, Dr. Lathan. I wanted to ask Dr. Lathan, I noticed that you have, a, I think, a conference call every Monday. Am mm-hmm. I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I see, is it all regularly scheduled program every Monday? Because sometimes I'll be trying to tune in and I'm not sure if it's on or I have the right yes, number. Yes, we're... We're on every Monday except holidays, so if it's a holiday, then we won't be on, but we're definitely there every Monday at 7 Eastern from 7 to about 7.45, sometimes 8. Uh, we try to keep it short, um, but it usually goes to at least 7.45, so that's Eastern time, and then you can 
uh, listen to the playback if you miss it. Oh, really? I have posted on my, posted on my website, uh, rubylathan.com. So it's R-U-B-Y-L-A-T-H-O-N.com. And then you can just go to free resources and you'll see the wellness call podcast there. So you can listen to the, four, the last four uh, podcasts there. Okay, good. And I got one more question. Is that okay, go? Proceed. Uh, or I guess it's for you too, uh, um, Dr. Dr. Lathan as well. Um, is there any books that y'all want to recommend or other sources maybe online that y'all look at to, I guess, help y'all vegan lifestyle? Um, well, I would first say start with my website because I have a ton of information there um, from uh, online going vegan transition program. I also do coaching. Um, there's tons of videos that I teach people how to cook, you know, about five to seven minute videos if you're looking for recipes. Obviously, some folks have tried it who called earlier um, and a blog there. So I would start there. So I started my website. Um, and then as far as books, I like uh, How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger is, is a good book. Um, and so that, that's a good, it's a good read. So I'd start with that. Okay, all right. And a uh, question also for Gus, if you don't mind answering. Websites. Uh, RubyLathan.com. Oh, books. That's, books. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, RubyLathan.com, good source, uh, resource to start with. Uh, tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, we will be premiering the book club, Dr. Layla Africa, The Nutritional destruction of black people uh, also titled nutricide but that is that's what the whole book is about so 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific for the book club uh that'd be one book uh tracy lynn mcquarter um by any greens necessary mm-hmm. she was a guest on the program black female um racism exactly what we've been talking about racism diet uh, she has recipes in there as well, smoothie recipes, entree uh, recipes. She was on the program in 2014. Ooh. Diet for Small Planet. That's pretty good. Mm. Books. There are lots of books on food. Um, Veganomics, I think, is it? I have to double check the title. Uh, but it's got recipes. It's got a really good, um, like, oh, I just made something from it. Let me see. It's got a really good, I, I just made uh, vegan lemon bars. They were from it. I just have to check the really? title to make sure that it's, uh, I put pictures up and everything. They were amazing. No, di- Man, I was not a, a lemon bar fan. In my tubby days, I ate a lot of nonsense. Uh, lemon bars is not one of them. Uh, I had like one or two. I don't even know where I got the craving. I guess it was just, you know, cabin fever or whatever, sitting around and having too much free time. I was like, hmm, lemon bars. I think I could make those. So I made them. They were great. And then I said, well, what's in the regular version of these? And I looked. It is like butter and eggs and butter and eggs. Just like fat, 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 fat. Everything that is horrible for you. Like, uh, but these were amazing. Lots of fresh lemons and all the best. I mean, if you're going to, you know, have something to splurge on, awesome. But uh, I think it was in the book. Uh, the recipe came from the book Veganomics 
um, which has a lot of recipes and yep, veganomics. That's it. Um, whole veganomics, the surprising science on what motivates. Make sure I see if I can even give the full title. What motivates vegetarians from the breakfast table to the bedroom? Hmm. Full title. Uh, but there are a lot of books. That's that should be a good start. There you go. I probably could think of some more, but that's a good start um, for literature. Some of the folks have been guests on the program. I've read uh, Diet for a Small Planet is very good. Uh, it's an older book, but a lot of that information is still very solid. Um, Tracy Lynn McQuarter's book is very good. We were going to read that next for the book club. If our female narrator had been ready to roll, that would have been the next book. But then Dr. Africa passed away and all this uh, worked out fine. Dr. Africa's book is awesome. We'll start that tomorrow and we'll probably do Tracy Lynn McQuarter's book either way, just because she's been a guest on the program. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to check those books out. I actually have Tracy McQuarter. I actually didn't get a chance to read. I gave it to my sister. Um, but uh, I'll go ahead and I'll uh, uh, mute my line. Oh, last question. Uh, I want to know what Dr. Ray think you're a sea monster. And uh, I'll mute my line. Thank you. Um, so I get it. I got it from a local um, raw food place here in D.C., Kepler's Raw Food Bar. Um, so I haven't ordered it online. Um, they may ship, but I think there are a lot of places that have it. Um so yeah, that's that's where I got mine here in D.C. at Kepler's Raw Food Bar. Hmm. Right on. Uh, we got. I think we got everybody. Feel like I had to work, do some exercise with my finger there. We nabbed everybody. Didn't miss anybody who had a question. Great. Woo! Spectacular. Uh, before we let you enjoy the rest of uh, your evening, I know people have been trying to bulk by and not knowing how long this is going to be a thing uh, for people to say, hey, I want to take this time to eat better. What are some foods that you would recommend like, hey, you might not be able to find toilet paper, but you should be able to get this at the grocery store. And this is something that you can get if you want to bulk <laughs> up on. You can have it. You can experiment, do different things. I was telling people dry chickpeas like, oh, man, you can experiment. You can do like falafel hummus uh curries like all kinds of things with uh dry pick they're cheap uh eat like you don't even have to cook them you can soak them overnight and bang get ready for hummus like that's a good one any suggestions for either foods you would say hey get this and or meals tips to uh try to eat healthier while we're stuck in the house um yeah well if folks are in the dc maryland virginia area i actually doing food prep so for folks they can order um order from me and have it delivered. Um, but, you know, I like to, the produce sections in the store have always been full so far, even through this pandemic. So um, I would say stock up on that. And if you're not going to eat it right away, just to freeze it. Um, but lots of greens, collards, kale, and salad greens are a staple. Um, fruit, obviously, as much fruit um if you can get apples, grapefruit, lemons, all those fruit that you can eat readily as snacks, because especially if you have kids in the house, they need to be eating fruit as snacks, fruit and nuts, raw nuts, unsalted nuts as snacks. That way they're not just eating a bunch of Doritos and stuff like that. So um, get fruits and then um, the dried beans, or if you're going to eat canned beans, make sure it's got the non-BPA lining. You can stock up on a lot of the beans. 
so that you can make whatever, you know, pretty easily. Um, you can get, you know, stir-fry veggies that are frozen. Those kind of things are, are good to have on hand because it's easy to throw in some tempeh or seitan or something like that and, you know, make it really quick. Um, so, um, you know, staples that you want to have so you can season your stuff up, you know, balsamic vinegar, tamari, all the seasonings, you know, garlic powder, onion powder, those kind of things, smoked paprika. You want to have your seasoning so you can just whip things up um, pretty easily. Um, so those, that's where you start, and then you kind of get some ideas if you want to do, you know, burritos or lasagna, you get some noodles, you know, you can also get a lot of gluten-free noodles, brown rice noodles that you can make, um, you know, anything from, you know, stuffed shells to mac and cheese or, you know, simple, you know, spaghetti is pretty easy with tomato sauce, um, organic tomato sauce to make some easy things um, there. So those would be the basics is to start with the, the produce um, and then freeze some of it and, and go from there and then find some good recipes and kind of shop through your recipes so you know what you're going to make with it because sometimes you just have a bunch of stuff and you're not sure what you're going to do. Um, and hummus is always a great snack too. Hummus with like bell pepper or cucumber is a good snack or even some crackers, limited, um, some good whole grain crackers. So those are, those are good snacks to have on hand, like blue corn chips with hummus or black bean dip or salsa is, is good. So, um, and those will help get you through. Mm. I just had, or I, I did get the dry chickpeas and I just made falafel, mm-hmm. uh, posted online as well, but I got hummus also. And, uh, I just had whole wheat, uh, pita and hummus as a snack in the last week. Tasty, easy filling, not going to lead you down the road to diabetes and obesity. Uh, right, right. com. uh, visit the website recipes suggestions information she's got the archives uh from the wellness call on monday evenings uh just lots of great information hopefully motivation uh, for people to say hey i want to have a sense of urgency about changing my diet and eating uh healthier food so that i can be around longer and have vitality not just you know that i'm on the planet but i am here and doing well can move around and feel great i don't have to have you know a phone reminder to take 50,000 pills uh every day and all that like ah, i'm great feel great look great can play with my grandchildren and dunk on them if i want to like hey it is great vitality that's the way it's supposed to be and what you eat plays a huge role in that critical role vital role have a sense of urgency uh, about getting that diet in order get some exercise in there as well heard that today also Uh, we are always so uh super grateful especially with you know current event the state of things in the world but Super, super grateful uh, for you hanging out with us uh, this Wednesday evening. Uh, We will uh, definitely check in. And I guess for folks in the DMV area, man, meal prep. If you, you know, are hurting and, you know, feel like, hey, I want to try and make this transition. And maybe if she can whip up some of that goodness, the forbidden rice and all that, uh, she can do some delivery service. Then, hey, that'll start. RubyLathan.com, D.C. or D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. 
check it out give her a call and uh yeah hook it up send us pictures if you if you take her up on the services thank you again dr lathan keep up the outstanding life-saving work and uh we will definitely look forward to talking to you again soon absolutely absolutely thank you for having me it's always a pleasure and to interact with the callers and i just thank everybody for listening and um as I mentioned, while there is urgency, we don't want panic. We want to make educated change while we can be at home and, and ease into this change. And so I'm happy to help um, in any way that I can via the services that I have or consultations as well. So um, I, I wish everybody good health on this call and that they can make the best of this time that you can use for introspection and slowing down a bit and uh, just kind of get centered with yourself. Mm. Outstanding. Again, thank you so much, rubylathan.com, rubylathan.com, treasure trove of information. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your evening. Take excellent care and thank you again for your time and insight. We will speak soon. All right. Good night. Good evening context of white supremacy dr ruby lathan fourth time on the context of white supremacy Mm. always a pleasure to have her uh on the broadcast i can't believe that like if i had been doing the same thing i had been doing back in 2017 not sure we would have this program today like we would have been talking about all this i'm sure but i don't know I, i don't think i would have been watching uh, a movie about not eating dairy and meat products and having black people or anybody else talking about the benefits of plant-based eating and how that can help reverse illness in your body and all the health benefits and all that. I don't know that I would have been watching such content if I was still chowing that chicken wings, a wash in chicken wings. I, I just don't know if I would have been, uh, yeah, if things would have aligned to, oh yeah, Dr. Lathan. Wow great should see if we can get her on the program but things worked out well i'm glad hope it was constructive information uh for listeners uh we will be here tomorrow 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific grandcester unfortunate but he did leave speaking of treasure trove <clears throat> he left a lot of information uh for us to grasp think about what are quality life sustaining vitality providing foods to eat nourish our bodies nourish our offspring what should we be eating what should we even think of when we say food what does that word food mean what does that word nutrition mean dr layla africa the nutritional destruction of black people it's got it's edited it's got different titles man i wish we had had him on the program again because i would have asked i believe it's the same book man i have not i haven't read this book at all but i've looked at the table of contents right for because it's edited like there's a version 1993 there's a different version 2013 i think there's one like 2005 we'll say uh but they're different Editions, which is the case with many books, especially popular books. But the table of contents is the same, even though the title, it switches. Uh, it, it first, I think the first publication, the title was Nutricide. <clears throat> the Nutritional Destruction 
of the black race. That was the subtitle. The most recent publication, which is like 2015, the main title is The Nutritional Destruction of Black People. And then subtitle is Nutricide. So I would just be curious in terms of the evolution, but the actual information in the book is pretty much the same. It might be a, you know, addition of a dedication or something like that, but the general info is the same. Uh, but we'll be starting it tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I read about the first <clears throat> maybe 15 pages or so uh, preparing because I was thinking I was going to be narrating the book, which I will be but just not tomorrow's session. I don't have the entire book yet. My uh, copy is still in transit, I suspect, um, because we weren't going to read this book. We were going to read The American Problem, The Negro, and then all this happened. So, you know, we adjusted with current events. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't own a physical copy of this book or an electronic copy. So I don't have it uh, physically, but a listener does have the book and volunteered on the spot uh, to do the narration and we got the first week all ready to go so that is us for tomorrow I'm super excited but I read those first 15 pages wow threat for the top 10 already uh, in just the first 10 15 pages of what I read uh, and then I looked through the table of contents and then everything that's happening now wow uh, he was a guest on the program uh, 2011 it's in the archives I made sure of that a few uh, days back but wow I'm so happy and again urgency maybe with everything happening the way it is we'll read we'll listen to the information with a sense of urgency and apply that information very important and not just listen and then man I'm gonna go get these chicken wings that Dr. Africa is awesome mm-hmm. great info. Mm-hmm. love these chicken wings but apply gonna wean off of these chicken wings food is very powerful I know a lot of times we have like memories and things that are associated with food I know I do with all kinds of sweet potato pie those I said like man I'm gonna make sure I make a vegan version because I remember that you know you grow up and and have parents or grandparents aunts uh, who who bacon things and so you have chicken wings whatever it is you have these foods and that's what you you know have a palate accustomed to consuming uh, you can still enjoy a lot of those foods. In fact, that's one thing I tell people. Uh, write down like a list of foods that you enjoy. Like think of it if you were going to, let's say there was going to be some sort of counter-racist study for a year. And they were going to pay you. Pay you, room and board, all provided. And I said, what we needed you to do, ma'am, sir, here's a pad or a tablet, whatever. We need you to make a list of all the foods that you normally eat. Whatever you eat, room and board is provided. No cost, you know, don't even think about it. But just what what do you normally eat? You know, because we're, we're, we're going to be serious about this counter-racist work. So we can't stop to go eat and everything. We'll have all the food right here. Uh, just tell us what you eat. We'll go out and get it. It'll be great. If it's produce, we'll make sure we get somebody who is real picky about produce. So you get high quality, you know, produce if that's what you put on there or, you know, whatever it is. What would you write down if they said, you know... <laughs> What do you eat in a month? You know, tell us what you eat over the course of a month or six weeks. Breakfast. Boom. This is what you like. We had to call. We said, oh, man, I love it. Fine. Write that down. Eggs. Hash. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. What do you normally eat for uh, lunch? 
Okay, write that down. Okay, write down like you know these are ten things. You know, over over a two week period, these are about ten different meals that I would like for a lunch. Same thing for dinner. You know, think of these are fifteen meals that I know I love. Or if you can think more, what what write <clears throat> all of those foods down? Probably ninety percent, if not all of those, could be made vegan. It's it's very few dishes. I'm aware of that you cannot alter and make a few substitutes and make it a little bit healthier, uh, a little less pus, a little less animal products, probably a little less sugar without losing the deliciousness. Like I'm not into eating food that doesn't taste good just for the sake of saying, oh, I'm a vegan. Not into that at all. It's got to be tasty. Lasagna today. Looking for improvement. How can we even make it even better? But yeah, I'm not about eating food that doesn't taste good just for the sake of bragging that, oh yeah, I'm plant-based and I eat gross food every time. I don't care what it is. If it's burgers, sandwiches, tacos, pasta, pizza, burritos, stir fries, uh, casseroles, cakes, pies, whatever. I mean, you know, that's dessert stuff, but I mean... I don't know. I, I can't think of anything. I can't think of one single thing. Eggplant Parmesan. I just made that tiramisu. I love. I'm about to make the vegan version of that. I can't think of anything really. Uh, but I'm 90%. I'm just willing to say that 90% of what you get on that list, you should be able to adjust and make it vegan macaroni and cheese. So, I mean, you can use this time, you know, with a sense of urgency. What do I normally eat? Now, if you normally, if it's just, you know, like, Big Macs and stuff like that. Well, then that would be a problem in and of itself. Baby, you can just take steps from there. You can start with maybe veggie burgers and stuff like that and just see if you can make progress. But use this time. See if you can get more creative with what you uh, eat. If anything, sense of urgency. What you eat has a huge impact on your quality of life and the amount of energy you have towards solving the problem. I don't think you'll have the same level of vitality, life currency, life force, yoga. They call that pranayama. I don't think you'll have that same force. If you've been eating Cheetos and bad food, I don't know. Anywho, uh, folks have any comments that they want to get in, what they heard from uh, Dr. Ruby Lathan. Everyone muted. I'm not sure if they're muted or if they're just processing the information, which is totally fine. Uh, I had a sound clip I'll play. Uh, it was Van Jones. Uh, Dr. Uh, Niana Rasayan uh, tagged me in this post this morning, so I shared it. Features the victim of racism, uh, Van Jones. He's talking about uh, black people and the impact. I thought a listener, she had a great. In fact, I'm going to read what uh, one of our. In fact, it's our narrator. She she's going to read the first section, but I'll read what she said about Mr. Jones' segment. But I'm just double checking. Any comments, folks, need to get in? If not, I'll get my Van Jones clip in. Any any audio or folks good? Just thinking about what they heard. Oh, uh, caller in Florida. I didn't see your hand up. I don't know if you had a question for Dr. Lathan or if you're just hopping in now. Caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Gus. Uh, thank you very much for this program. And 
all of the questions that were asked and uh, for uh, Dr. Latham from coming on because um, I've been meaning to definitely try to uh, get more into the produce, fruits, and trying to look up more vegan recipes. And I didn't think about when she kept mentioning the, I think, the uh, black beans and lima beans and stuff like that. Uh, I was taking notes and trying to just get a good list of what I can uh, start utilizing to uh, make improvements in my own diet. And I'm pretty good at drinking the water, as you know. So that's, uh, and that's another thing that is, is, is quite common that a lot of people are saying, I just can't, you know, I just can't drink this water. Give me one of these flavor packets. But, you know, even with that, it has like the aspartame and stuff in a lot of and a lot of things like that. So, um, very constructive program, and I was just pretty much just listening. I may have something to say a little later, but I'm just pretty much absorbing the information. Thanks again for having the program, though, and that's all I have to say. Much obliged. He's <clears throat> got his gallon water bottle, uh, A plus in the water department. That that is a huge one. Dr. Lathan has talked about that many times when she's been a guest on the program. Drink more water uh that's so many problems also associated with it yeah and all that flavors i mean that totally defeats the purpose i was listening to one of her previous visits today and she was emphasizing that before uh and saying that for your body there's water and there's everything else tea is not water milk is not water all those flavored concoctions that is not water for your body biologically speaking there's water and everything else your body needs water <laughs> and it is cra- well it's not crazy it's the system of white supremacy where we are washing chicken wings uh, where once you have dumped lead and filth and everything else in the water that you have lots of people that, oh man I don't want any water you got to put give me some of those lemon packets <laughs> I, I can't even drink this <laughs> I absolutely understand that absolutely totally total cesspool as Dr. Cambon says so get that filter that's <clears throat> That's one thing that I have recommended uh, for the people that have went out and binged on water. Uh, I do live in Seattle, so I have been impacted by that. Like I do try to minimize the plastic in Seattle. But uh, as opposed to getting all that plastic, you could just get a really good filter and bang, your water would be good in the house. Like that is possible. Like you could spend $200 on a filter and have great water in the house. Or you could go and spend $200 on bottled water and you'll have a very, very finite source. I mean, the filters have to be replaced and all, but, you know, actually some of them, you know, you could spend enough money and the filter does not have to be replaced. You can get some pretty quality ones that do well and, you know, you'll have clean filtered water in your residence. But, uh, yeah, I certainly understand in the system of racism how everything gets contaminated so even water becomes repulsive. Like, give me this Coca-Cola, give me this Pepsi, give me this fruit juice, anything but uh, a glass of water. Uh, which contributes to the obesity that was we talked about that before sometimes the problem is you are dehydrated which can contribute to a lot of health problems and then you end up eating and it's not that you're hungry it's that you are I'm not even going to say thirsty you need water Uh, any other comments or folks just thinking processing letting it marinate get the food metaphor in Uh, could I add something caller in Canada um, yeah, um, Dr. Layton kind of um, kind of alluded to um, 
you know, regarding the eating, you know, stuff and artificial stuff. And um, a lot of the things that I've learned from Dr. Africa, like with the YouTube, with the YouTube post, is that we kind of, we're not eating because we're hungry. We're eating because of what we feel. So um, some of the things that I've learned from the YouTube video is, is that... Um, because we, um, because the people who practice racism are military people, they're on like a military diet. Because, um, from my understanding, what the video was saying is that um, the people who practice racism um, live on a military diet. So what they did, they trained us on their military diet, and that and it's that diet that's actually literally killing us and making us un unhealthy, making us have a lot of diabetes and a lot of high blood pressure. And, and it's not just diabetes. I'm even having, having um, cancers, um, cancers, cancer in the uterus, cancer, uh, prostate cancer, and it's basically what's actually going on is that um, the food that we're eating is is actually chemical. So we're not eating real food. So like Dr. Africa would always saying about don't alter the food, don't add salt, don't add sugar. And whenever you're altering the food, you, you're 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 taking the way how the food was meant to be consumed by by our creator. And and he 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 relates food to culture, like um the the you know Chinese food, Italian food, and our food that that's been related to non-white people and particularly black people has been soul food, and that food was actually the food that we that we were that we were able to eat because when we were slaves. And, and, and it's that food that's, that's really harming us. And, and um, so I guess what I'm saying is um, we have to go back to our culture, African-centered diet, you know, eating the way how, how our ancestors ate, you know, and it's basically, um, you know, fruits, vegetables, um, just, just strictly real food food as you as you might say and that when we go back to our roots you know following mayat you know kemet kemet um history and the knowledge from that will help us to be more african-centered and have a more african-centered diet and and um i think that's it we are reading dr africa the nutritional destruction of black people uh, tomorrow. Uh, I certainly do not tell anybody I have a so-called African-centered diet. I just tell people to try to eat things that are going to be life-supporting, supporting, supporting uh, you not being sick, ill, eating correctly, uh, foods that are going to promote health and vitality uh, for your body, fruits, vegetables, uh, actual foods. Uh, Dr. Africa, I agree a thousand percent. A lot of things get labeled as food that are not food products at all pork runs doritos uh, cheetos the cheetos chicken sandwich endless list of things get 
listed as food items that are edible not food uh, any other comments thoughts caller in Canada much obliged good sir Dr. Africa tomorrow 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific have you heard yes sir yes I uh, just one uh, one last question or um, comment to anybody who, who has um, any information is there any um, information that people and I guess related to this uh, COVID-19 um, pandemic there's been a lot of talk about drinking lemon water elderberry water will that aid into immunity if anybody has links or information that they would like to share I would definitely like to um, be um, privy to that thank you I have heard that but uh, I personally have not seen like any supporting evidence I haven't seen anything where somebody did like a study this has been replicated uh, where you can verify this you can triangulate this as Dr. Rasan said where you can find multiple uh, reports studies where this has been uh, researched uh, by some folks to say oh yeah this is a cure or this is an immunity or this will help you know stave off uh, the so called COVID-19 uh, virus um, I think in general people have these different type of um, teas or herbal uh, remedies with lemon and I think he said elderberry and some of the others that I've heard it's been like lemon, ginger, a few other things um, those kind of get mentioned just in general uh, for health that people have some sort of respiratory issues and that sort of thing I think there are all kinds of different remedies of that nature where you can take different uh, herbs, roots uh, and what have you and, and make like a tea or something out of it or sometimes it'll just be something that you boil on the stove uh, and inhale because I've seen some of that as well but yeah I think at least from what I've seen thus far all of these are just you know rumors they may support overall health well-being but I have not seen anything that oh yeah this is an immunity or this is going to cure it if you get it or anything of, of that nature thank you I could be misinformed. Should I get that in? I'm not a doctor, qualified health practitioner. Uh, all right. So with that, I'm going to get my sound clip in for Van Jones. Doctor, uh, if we have other folks that they have a comment, question, uh, we'll get you as well. Uh, I'm just going to make sure I get my Van Jones clip in uh, really quick, and then we'll nab other folks. So this was, I think, just yesterday, yesterday evening. Uh, CNN. I do not watch CNN at all. Atlanta. Oof. Uh, but this is on CNN. So they had Van Jones on and they were talking about the COVID-19 situation and how it's impacting black people in the states. Uh, it's the segment is like 10 minutes, maybe be longer, but I'm really just looking for this two minute portion. So that's all I really want to hear. We'll stop. And then I'm going to read what our narrator for Dr. Africa's book tomorrow. I'll read what she had to say what Dr. Rasan had to say to begin with. But again, this came from Dr. Rasan. He uh, tagged me and said, oh yeah, we should share. Uh, we'll evaluate. So this is from CNN yesterday, Mr. Van Jones and others. Uh, it's like a panel of like uh, four people, I think. Context of white supremacy. 
When you look at being black in America, number one, uh, people unfortunately are more likely to be of low socioeconomic status, which makes it harder to social distance. Number two, we know that blacks are more likely to have diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, and I and many black Americans are at higher risk for COVID. It's why we need everyone to so do their part to slow the spread. It's the U.S. Surgeon General just this morning talking about the heightened coronavirus risk for African-Americans. Some states have, have released the racial breakdown of cases and deaths, and those numbers show a disturbing trend, a disproportionate number of African-Americans being infected with coronavirus and dying. Joining me to share their expertise in their reporting, Dr. Kamara Jones, the former president of the American Public Health Association, Politico's Laura Barone-Lopez, and CNN's Van Jones. Uh, Dr. Doctor, I want to start with you, uh, and I've just put up some numbers. I'll get deeper into them in a moment, but just these side-by-sides. Illinois, African-Americans make up 15% of the population. They are 42% of the state's coronavirus deaths. In Louisiana, African-Americans make up about a third of the population. Seven in ten. Seven in ten of the deaths in Louisiana are African-Americans. In Michigan, it's about 14% of the statewide population. More than 40% of the deaths in Michigan from COVID-19 in the African-American community. Uh, it's a combination of things, I'm sure. Some, it's the urban density. Some, is the disparity in the healthcare systems. Uh, what is your biggest takeaway on why this is happening and what can be done? So, first of all, we have to be clear that in December 2019, none of us was immune, right? So all of us should have an equal opportunity of being infected. But what this virus has done is taken away the mask, uh, the veneer, the, pulled the sheets off of this myth of equal opportunity in this society. So what is happening is that black folks are getting infected more because they're exposed more. And once infected, they're getting, they're dying more because they have, their bodies, our bodies, have borne the burden of chronic disinvestment, active neglect in our communities. So when I look at it, it is because of structural racism, which puts us in the more forward-facing jobs so that we're more exposed and less valued, don't even have the protection that we need. And this chronic, you know, the residential segregation that turns into uh, employment segregation, educational segregation, uh, environmental hazard segregation, all of those insults on our bodies have given us more of these so-called pre-existing conditions. So once we're infected, we have more severe outcomes from the disease. I want you to listen, Van, I want to come to you next, but I want you to listen to the governor of Louisiana who's looking at these numbers and says, as Dr. Jones just said, uh, this is a horrible thing and we better learn about it as soon as we can. Right now, slightly more than 70% of all of our deaths are among African Americans uh, who make up about 32% or so of the overall population of our state. So obviously this is a big disparity and we're going to try to figure out uh, what that is attributable to and what, what we can uh, do about that as, as quickly as possible. Uh, and Van, as you come in, I just want to put the numbers, just Louisiana numbers up side by side, because people need to look at the numbers and let them sink in when you look at it. 33% of the population of the state of Louisiana is African American. Seven in 10 of the deaths in the state of Louisiana are among African Americans. It's just a more than double your proportion of the population. Uh, when you hear the governor there, Van, uh, I take him at his word that he is very well intended. You also know the history here. We have a crisis. Everybody ramps up. A lot of money gets spent. And then some of the 
disparities that may have been a major factor in contributing to the crisis. Uh, when they're over, they either get forgotten, put aside, or there's not enough resources to deal with them. Well, look, I, I was in conversation with the governor yesterday. Um, I know that he is well in, in tension, but here's a reality. Um, we got off on the wrong foot here from a media point of view and from a community point of view. Everybody started staying in the black community. This is a white folks thing. Uh, you're hearing about white folks in nursing homes. You're hearing about uh, white folks who went to China. Uh, and in fact, a rumor got started that black people were literally immune to this disease. That was all over the internet. Started off as a joke, people took it seriously. And in fact, you've seen this before with HIV. Everybody, oh, HIV, that's just for gay people. I don't have to worry about it. And then it spread everywhere. This is a disease. The numbers for the black community are gonna be completely different than the numbers coming out of China or Italy because it's an epidemic jumping on top of a bunch of other epidemics already in the black community. We already have an epidemic of high blood pressure, which is lethal if you get this disease. Nobody's saying that. We already have an epidemic of asthma, obesity, et cetera. In other words, you gotta start saying to your black relatives, your black friends, do you take pills every day? If you take pills every day, are you supposed to? Get your butt in the house and don't come out because you are going to die. Well, I'm not 80 years old. I don't, I'm, I don't no, it's, it's not just age. In our community, it's going to be, are you sick? And black people are underinsured, underemployed, and barely healthy on a good day because of things that were just mentioned. We have to change the discussion. We can't say comorbidities. That doesn't mean anything to the people who are in harm's way. The people who are in harm's way, do you take pills every day? Do you got sugar, diabetes? Do you got pressure, high blood pressure, hypertension? You could die in a week. You could not be here. You've got to start screaming this to the black community or you're going to have a catastrophe on your hands here. Context of white supremacy. So that was Van Jones at the end. That was even more interesting because that was a little longer than the clip that Dr. Rasayan shared. Uh, I guess it's like a 30 minute program. So um, Kamara Jones she used to work at the CDC. I was trying to get her as a guest on the program to talk about this very subject matter in 2010. This is about the time of the white privilege conference. And that year, racial disparities in health was their theme. They showed it was like a PBS documentary. It's like a eight part or like an eight hour series, like five parts on uh, health disparities on PBS. And uh, they had a lot of different things uh, related to health. But, Fernelia Randall was there. She was one of the keynote uh, speakers talking about her book, Dying While Black. And all Anyway, so that was the segment. I posted it. Our listener, narrator for Dr. Africa's book tomorrow, she wrote, okay, I respectfully understand the intent behind this message, his message. I would have enjoyed a more in-depth conversation about socioeconomic disparities and medical apartheid, medical apartheid, that exists which contributes to the high rates of disease not to mention just a few weeks prior uh, there was an influx of folks in Louisiana for the Mardi Gras event very important we have to consider that these folks dispersed throughout the globe super important uh, as it relates to Louisiana a lot of folks said that that if you know this had been taken seriously sooner Mardi Gras should have been stopped uh, that like horrible biological bomb is one of the metaphors that I've heard uh, for that because you're bringing in people from so many different places and you're squeezed in so tight and everybody is slobbering on each other and sneezing I mean yeah anyway uh, so Mardi Gras 
These statistics were not fully represented here. It told a story of black vulnerability, but did not explore the various variables. We cannot solely sum it up to you sick. You got the sugar. You got the pressure. Stay your ass at home, (laughs) which is about what he said. Uh, There's more to this thing. That's our narrator for tomorrow. That was her comment right on. So then Dr. Rasayan responded to the sister from Atlanta, agreed. Excellent food for thought. However, all food taken in follows uh, ma'at, rejection, digestion, and assimilation, which invariably yields some form of excretion, solid, liquid, or gas. And that also means inhaling and exhaling. In short, some things transcend microscopic analyses, rather strategic thought to produce tactical and actionable decisions. Dr. Rasayan supposed to be coming to the program, uh, but he's still teaching uh, remotely. So uh, he has scheduling obligations, trying to see if we can work things out. But Mr. Van Jones earlier, medical apartheid. Uh, One note that I have seen, I've seen the metaphor when white people catch a cold, uh, black people get pneumonia. I've seen that one about five or six times since Saturday uh, in health disparities. I have not seen medical apartheid. Uh, the book referenced, uh, I will have to look to see if Harriet uh, A. Washington has done some interviews and talked about this uh, to connect all of this. Uh, I have to, if you, any of you all find it, that would be great to see what she has to say. But I would appreciate just more direct commentary. The system of racism, white supremacy uh, in a variety of ways has conspired to make sure that black people are not healthy. Uh, I mean, it, the list would be enormous this would be a great time people like to mention tuskegee or henrietta Lacks. it's lots of things uh that could be uh mentioned to not just say that oh yeah the racial disparities like it's substantially more substantially more uh than that and again <laughs> i think understanding that we had a freaking cows listener who predicted that this was going to happen is in the archives Sunday Global Talk on Racism and a listener in China no less where they had gone through this where he'd already seen this so hindsight is twenty twenty to be able to say oh man this is going to be really bad for black people we were warned in advance absolutely I have to make sure I email uh, and or call a victim in China to uh, acknowledge he was painfully accurate in his prediction. I don't know if folks uh, heard the Sunday Global Talk on racism last month, but we were talking about this. This was going on. We had that program and uh, he wrote an essay where he detailed this. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts? Folks wanted to get in what they heard from Van Jones or uh, folks had thoughts from Dr. Lathan last few minutes before we conclude. May I be heard? Caller in Florida. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I'm, I'm processing what, uh, what what was said in the clip, and I am grateful that she, uh, I think that was a black female that was mentioning the, the aspects of racism that has been practiced uh, and, and that continues to be practiced as a system. And I'm thinking of, uh, you know, that is an awesome uh, prediction as well. Not awesome for what's happening to black people, but how accurate it is. And I think about, you know, the as they say, the disparities and 
the treatment, I can only imagine and fathom that black people are getting just on, okay, like if I go to the the, um, the emergency room with a relative or someone I know, just in how they respond to you being there. And that was before this even happened, before the pandemic. So just imagine just the treatment alone, whether the black people have insurance or if they don't, you know, irregardless. Uh, it, it can be uh, it can be insulting and it, it can be stressful to you uh, just being there with a relative, another black person. So I'm thinking that in this situation, there's possibly hundreds to thousands of black people that are in these hospitals, um, possibly not even getting adequate uh, medical assistance and I could see them treating the white people, you know, with the best effort that they have because, uh, I also do think along with that is, is diet is a very important thing. You know, and I've been sitting thinking about that. And once again, I appreciate the program, um, because that can be a very, very great help to prevent you from being in that situation because it's from what I'm seeing also, they aren't even allowing from my understanding for people to even see people that they know that have been affected by the virus. So there's no telling how the black patients are being affected and how they're being treated. And I, and you know, and I think they're going to also try and make it look like black people are racist. Have you ever been noticing that? That's like in some of the reports or, you know, black people are dead. You know, they're mistreating people that are classified as Asian. I don't know if, if have you or anyone else been seeing those reports. I'm starting to notice that as well. But um, that's all I have. Thanks for allowing me to share. That black people are uh, racist against Asian people? That's what you mean? Like uh, chinks saying things or something suggesting that they're to blame for the virus? I'm like more so saying that... Uh, um, that black people are, I guess, mistreating Asian people, just like in, as they as they were talking about the discrimination and the attacks and the assaults, trying to divert it mainly from uh, white people terrorizing non-white uh, so-called Asian people and trying to uh, make it appear as though black people are doing this, because I guess, I don't know if they were saying that uh, they may have had black people as guests on certain platforms and which is true saying that black people can't practice racism so they can be using this as a way to say that hey you know we got this black person on camera and he's playing life hall on an Asian person or something like that <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> so uh, hey he, he you know he hey get him to move I don't even want to get off somebody tell him to you know and they, I can see they they could possibly try and utilize that, try and put something on black people just in that regard. Mm. Fascinating. Okay, I'm glad I got a little more detail now. I have not seen that. I, I've just been a ton of those reports of uh, white supremacy against uh, so-called Asians uh, during all this, but I haven't seen something that, like specifically saying, oh yeah, black people are ramping up their, you know, attacks against Asian people and 
practicing. Yeah, I have not seen that, although that would be very interesting because it's been about a week now, uh, maybe almost a week. It'll be almost a week about these reports saying, oh, man, black people are really catching it. So it'll be interesting to see if more of that comes out uh, as the reports. It's pretty much been a saturation. Now, the president has said something about it and, you know, all the Dr. Fauci as well. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that intensifies, if it becomes, if it starts to be more reports of that, like, oh yeah, black people are, you know, mad and taking it out on Asians and, oh, we got tension, you know, over the, that'll be, yeah, to see. Has anybody else seen that? We can pay attention for the compensatory call in as well. Has anybody else seen that? Black people are racist against Asians over the virus? Maybe not. I'll ask again. This I'll pay attention myself and then I'll ask again this weekend, see if anyone else has seen that. It would not surprise me at all, though. Uh, they could just to add that in and help add a little bit more confusion and just further kind of distract people from the problem. Uh, but, yeah, that that'll be good for us to be mindful of. We can pay attention. Let's see. Any other comments, suggestions, thoughts, folks wanted to make sure they get in diet is super important um super important to all of the and the treatment i think some people had said that as well that you know black people the way we're treated on a regular basis the way even black physicians uh, are treated on a re- uh, regular basis we've had a number of black doctors talk about how you know he was uppity was this nigger in a lab coat thinking and that sort of thing and that's the way the physician is treated so you know if you are a sick black person who doesn't have insurance my gosh <laughs> they might make you wait out on the curb uh, in many instances they made you wait out on the curb. So, yeah, and I mean, I've even seen reports of that where they've said for some black people who come in, they don't take it seriously, which is they already have like years of research where they say black people don't get as much pain medication and all the rest of it. So, I mean, that would fit the trend. Uh, that would just be more the same that black people come in. They say they have something that, oh, I think you are. I get some, you know, Robitussin and go on home. And, you know, that's it. Uh, or just not just getting shabby racist treatment. Besides, I've already heard that. So, yeah, I can't even imagine uh, in the numerous ways uh, that this is being manifested. Even they were talking about reasons for this and racism, white supremacy, uh, pussyfooting that. But racism, white supremacy being central. They also said uh, the white supremacy and who gets to stay home. Who has to go work? I thought that was important too. Some of our listeners apparently are essential workers, and they said absolutely. Some of us, no, we do not get to sit home and just think about you know what vegan meals we're going to do and plan our day out and do a little work and then go sit out on the front porch for a few minutes and then go back to the office desk and do it. No, you got to get up, get your mask or whatever, and go to work. You know, hope your employees don't get too close to your sneeze on you or anything like that. Like that is, and I'm sure that that's racism, white supremacy as well. Where you probably do have a substantially higher number of white people who have that as an option, as opposed to black people. Probably the case even in some offices where you got coworkers, where you got some black people, they got to be present. White people, it might be a little bit easier for them to get home. Could be an error, but I mean, we've talked about that a lot on workplace racism, anyway. So. Any other folks, comments, anything else they want to get in or everybody satisfied? Uh, two, uh, two, three, six, three, two, three, six, three. Did you have commentary question? Yes. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Yes. I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having Dr. Lathan on. Uh, it was wonderful to hear the different 
uh, questions and answers and just definitely a motivator to keep on a healthy path of just, you know, healthy vegan meals and making sure you do yoga and all these things. But I had a question for you guys. Um, For a person who's beginning yoga, do you have like, do you um, have any advice on like specific type of yoga a person should be focused on if they're like a beginning, a beginner? That is wonderful. Yoga, more yoga, (laughs) more yoga. Uh, If you're beginning, um, just go slow. I mean, I don't know. There's so many. I mean, that encompasses so much. I don't know if you if you're doing like the I'm assuming it's something at home, at least for the time being. So even still, I don't know if you're trying to do like the more restorative uh, yoga, like the yang practice, which is going to be more soothing and just kind of relaxing deep stretches on the ground. Or if you're trying to do something that's going to be more active, uh, the, uh, or that, excuse me. So the yin is the first one, the more relaxed. And then the yang is the more active. You're drinking a sweat, doing the headstands and all that stuff. Like which, which type of yoga are you? I, I guess maybe the restorative one first and then work my way up to something like that where you're doing more moving on the mat. I recently just got um, a bunch of equipment like bolsters and, and mm. blocks because I, you know, just to help me, um, just to help me with certain moves because I'm definitely not flexible yet. So I was like, oh, maybe I should ask Gus what, you know, what would he recommend for a beginning yoga person <laughs> love it props are great props are, are great for everybody whether you've been practicing whether you're just starting or whether you've been practicing a long time like bolsters blocks straps uh they are phenomenal especially uh if you're going to do uh the yin the more restorative postures where you're going to do longer postures longer holes in the positions it can be mm-hmm. helpful to have the props for support so uh for that oh man there are tons of it and it's <laughs> This is a great time because so many uh, yoga studios are closed. There are tons of free yoga resources online now. There, uh, like a lot of the major yoga studios, are offering uh, free online classes, or they have free streams on YouTube and and all of that. So I mean, it's like you can even do some live stream. Like it's tons of videos already there, but you could probably find people, or no, probably you could easily find free. Mm-hmm. live stream yin classes where you can you know practice live time with somebody and you already got all the props and goodies so you can do that um for some people that's more challenging because it's hard for them to sit still um yeah i just i know for some people like if you're doing like a 45 minute or a 60 minute yin session where you're just sitting there in these postures sometimes for five minutes there's no movement sometimes they might tell you to close your eyes or not but you're just sitting there and not moving uh that can be challenging for Mm -hmm. some people even if it's not like physically uh painful or it's not like physically intense just trying to calm your mind and just be still and just breathe for five minutes uh but i love yin uh it can be super helpful to just kind of get your mind to slow down get your body to slow down and just focus on your breath help you clear your mind if you have anxiety or difficulty sleeping uh, it can be great. Uh, the stretch because you get to do nice deep stretches because you're holding the postures for so long. Um, that can be really helpful. I know for some people it's the opposite. It's easier for them to move around and it's harder for them to stay still. Can be, you know, just depends on your personality. But um, just mm-hmm. go slow. Um, try to pick 
Yeah, try to see. I think if you're going to do stuff online, you can kind of cheat and kind of look at what their postures they're going to be doing in the sequence. You already have an idea of what's going to be covered uh, and see like, okay, this looks like I can probably handle this. Like I can see the the parts of the body that they'll be stretching, what they'll be doing. Like, okay, Um, try it out. See how it feels. If you don't like it. Uh, it could just be that that instructor, like sometimes I just don't like a particular instructor. So try out some different ones. You'll probably see some folks that you instructors that you vibe with or some sequences that you vibe with. And uh, yeah, just listen to your body. If it doesn't feel good, try something else. It shouldn't be painful. Uh, it might be challenging uh, to stay there, but it shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be, you know, an ouch situation or anything like that. Perfect. Well, thank you. And then one last question. Is there a way that we can get this famous um, lasagna recipe that you always speak about on your show? Is it already posted or is there a way that we can get that recipe? Uh, Let's see. There are a lot of vegan lasagna uh, recipes like you can if you like go to YouTube or you don't have to go to YouTube. You can just do a search in general and tons of them will pop up uh the specific one uh that i made uh posted the picture uh today that one um i think i could post the recipe i have it on my facebook page the picture of the lasagna i made today um i think i can post it under the pic i don't know if you are on facebook at all or my page is public so if you go to facebook.com uh forward slash the problem is white people uh, it should be right like at the top you'll see it I can if you give me some time you okay. might have to check back I can attach the recipe that I used but I mean there are lots lots of uh, vegan lasagna recipes kind of the same thing I just said with the yoga you can try experiment try them out and see which one you like the kind of basics uh, are the same in terms of bake time and I like the dry uh, not cooking the noodles in advance method just because they tend to fall apart and get extra soggy and that sort of thing. But the fundamentals are pretty similar with most of the methods. A lot of it just comes down to what veggies you like and, uh, cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my call for sure. Always try to help black people eat better, tastier experiment with uh, better food and yoga both absolutely yoga retreat hoping we will be able to push through uh with all this and knock down all of our retreats toronto dc uh it has been wow uh absolute chaos uh trying to figure out if we have to reschedule cancel if the entire year is going to be trashed and we're just going to be sitting in the house um but when this is over We are getting back. This is exactly why we were doing the retreats to begin with. Diet is crucial. Getting some exercise, eating to live, not having all these chemicals and edible things that are not food. Uh, Just being more mindful. That was the whole goal behind the retreat. So immediately we are getting back to business. Hopefully we can maintain and do everything as scheduled. Uh, Toronto. Chicago, uh, Toronto, Washington, D.C. And uh, I would say mandatory. We have to go to Chicago, Washington. I mean, uh, Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She was a resident of D.C. at the time that she transitioned, but she is a Chicago native. And she was talking quite a bit uh, right when she transitioned about doing workshops, going back and doing some programs in Chicago. Uh, she felt like they needed resources uh, and certainly 
that would seem to be the case still in 2020. So that will be the goal. Finish out our retreats as scheduled. Uh, if possible, if we have to reschedule, what have you, we'll, we'll see. But to get to Toronto, get to DC and then get to Chicago, uh, to help more black people eat better, do better, taking care of themselves. We'll be here tomorrow. Dr. Same goal. Dr. Layla Africa, the nutritional destruction of the black race, 8 PM Eastern, 5 PM Pacific. Our next book in the book club. With that much obliged for everyone's participation. I hope it was worthy of your Wednesday evening, man sobriety would be best we said that we could go full circle that was in the audio clip that we started with they said sobriety no smoking that was included he said that explicitly no smoking uh this is a respiratory infection certainly don't want to be smoking get rid of that all these addictive behaviors dr uh africa talks about that no alcohol don't need that either in addition to being sober, let's be buckled every time we are in a vehicle. Not that we're doing a whole lot of gallivanting around. Uh, if we are going out somewhere, we're going to be very strategic in these days and times about where we're going. We are sober, buckled up, and we are certainly not on the cell phone uh, with all of the stress and chaos that is happening in the world right now. You do not want to give any race soldier badge or no a reason to pull you over. And what are you doing? Are you an essential worker? Are you supposed to be out on the road night now? Where's your house? (laughs) Talk about stress and inflammation. With that, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately dr lathan said we should have a sense of urgency she said it repeatedly a sense of urgency Mm. make sure i get in before we sign out while we were broadcasting i had an amazon package delivered from my wish list i didn't even open it but it had gus tr on it so it has to be from my wish list much obliged for folks investing in the middle of a pandemic I was especially felt like I had to get in my gratitude because folks could have used that uh, time and energy to get more toilet paper or paper towels or you know anything sea moss veggie cookies anything I don't know but much obliged for the uh, investment I hope the context of white supremacy has been continues to be worthy of your time and energy cows signing out Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Yeah. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.